Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Quantum Consumer Podcast. Uh, I am Brandon, as usual, and I have a guest here. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, would you like to introduce your name? Uh, yeah. How shall they call you? Uh, they call me many things, but uh, I was named Nathan Hayes. Nathan Hayes, I see. Yeah. And I vibrate air for a living. Uh, we all vibrate air for a living, <laughs> and that's why... Uh, we have such expert knowledge in all things in the world. It's good vibes, everything man. is good everything vibes. Is, everything is vibrations. So, you know, we were talking earlier about um, Instagram and social media. Mm. So, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't live on social media. Um, I think the most frequent social media site that I go to is probably Facebook. Is it pretty much, pretty much it. Do you use it more as a? It's or do you have it as a as a phone book? It's more or less of like a uh, family thing. Like it's super. It's like keeping track of family. Like okay, right? I'll, but I'll it, do that. But I, I've noticed a lot of people. Um, like my entire f- point of social media is just for family. Like all my accounts are private. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're even to, smaller than what I've noticed. Is a lot of people will. You know, none of my shit is open. Like no, absolutely not. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of people. Random people. Do you use Facebook Messenger? Uh, yes. Okay. Cause, so, cause that's what a lot of people I know do where they will, they won't really post a lot on, on Facebook proper, but mm-hmm. their account is maybe at one point they used to, but now it's transitioned into a service as opposed to a platform. Right. Because obviously since so many people had Facebook back in, in the day, we're not that old, but uh, now that it has a messaging service attached to it, that's the most useful feature. Uh, and since everyone had it, I mean, everyone had a phone number, so you, you you have to wonder like, why did we go to you know voice over IP? And it's almost it's almost somehow less useful in some ways, but for some reason. So like, I don't, I don't mean to sound like a boomer here, but like social media, I think is is super 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 detrimental. To developing minds, it is horrendous. I think current social media is, and I don't mean that it to is be like horrendous. just contrarian to oh, be no, a abso- separate. No, guest. I think I, I completely oh. agree with you. Like I'm talking like the current context. Okay. Yeah, but if you because go back, I think I think if it was, if it now you know this is something a lot of people won't always like to hear, but I think if there was less moderation, right? If there was less interest to uh, appeasing um, brands or um, any sort of corporate interest that you know is ostensibly about making money, um, yeah, I think things would be a little better because you could get. I mean, you're. More... I think you're kind of you're pretty much right there because you can get sponsored on Instagram <laughs> just by posting pictures of yourself, and I mean, Instagram has just become ad ridden. It is just yeah. nothing but ads. You'll complete your feed like I've I've gone through, and I've I've I went through went through my Instagram and I removed. All of the people 
all of like those meme pages. Mm. Right. I moved all the people that I don't know. I know the people that I have on my Instagram now that I follow are friends and family. And I would see if I go onto my Instagram, I'll see maybe a post or two posts from family member, family and friends. And then you keep on scrolling, it'll say you're all caught up. And it'll just be nothing but ads. Because there's no other content for you. Just nothing but ads after. And (laughs) I'm sitting here blowing, I'm just losing my mind. So so you know me, right? You know I'm all about, um, I am the antithesis of, you know, uh, sitting around and just can't wait to consume more product. I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. But my Instagram usage is the 100% opposite of that. I use it to look at cool cars, nice watches, um, uh, uh, neat airplanes uh, and, and you know interesting vistas and it's funny because all of the things that would advertise to me to that end are people that would sell me watches cars yeah. and trips to Iceland and like that's that's like an intelligent way of using what we have now yeah so it's how it, social media it, works. it's funny because since I just all I, there's only four people on my Instagram feed that I follow that I personally know mm-hmm. And one of them I have done photography work for. So sometimes I will see my images. So you're keen on photography as well. Yes. I did um, not know that about you. I don't think we've talked weird, much about photography. I, I thought we had. Maybe a little bit. Um, Probably just, I guess, a tad bit yeah. compared to the rest of... And, and part of the problem everything. is I haven't consolidated my entire catalog into a website or a single folder on Google Drive or something because mm-hmm. it's so massive. Yeah. Um, I started in 2000. I got serious in 2013 when I got my first iPhone. And that was an iPhone. Interesting. iPhone uh, uh, S4. Mm. And uh, to this day, I mean, I'll still take really good photos. So are you, are, you, are you like a DSLR photographer? Or are you mostly sticking around like mobile phone? So smartphone? I'm kind of a hipster on this one. Or are you most doing of, film? Yeah, 35 millimeter okay. p- camera. Yes. It's Here a La Sardina from Lamography. Um, I haven't experimented with weird or fucked up film yet, which is something they sell. Right. But I have considered, when I do get the printer, eventually I will be getting a printer in the next couple months. I don't know when, but I will. One of the first things that I'm going to print, besides a, uh, you know, a firearm and a couple other odds and ends, is going to be a pinhole camera. And then after that, I'm it. going to print I that. a, uh, I can't remember the aspect ratio, but it's like the big, you know what you imagine when you think Civil War photography, yeah. those cameras, whatever format that is, it's like eight by nine something. Right. People have just printed like those actual, too. like actual, like that's like capital yeah. film. Like it, we're talking. Yeah. One, one, one huge slice of film. And it's funny because um, I almost did this in high school because we had a printer at my school. Um, and students could use it for projects if the teacher liked the project. Um, clearly, I was not going to print an AR-15, but um, <laughs> right. I did talk to him about printing one of these cameras. And this was like, 13, 14, 15, oh my God, six years ago. And um, th- this was when the files were still very fresh, young, and immature compared to where they are now. Right. And back then, we did the math. It would still be a pinhole camera. There would be no lens because I was like, I yeah. don't have a lens for that shit. And he's like, Yeah, I don't either. But we we thought, well, why don't we just make it a pinhole? So we did the math. Turns out, with a piece of film that big and the aperture that size, right, we would have been getting a, an image with a high enough resolution to be 
competitive with the latest iPhone at the time. At the time. At the time. Okay. So this so is like we're talking 2012. So what? Maybe seven, eight megabytes or megapixels. Yeah, and it was just mind-boggling to think that a pinhole camera, no lens, yeah. could, could get an image that crystal clear. Because that's like a that's a pinhole cameras were actually really cool because they utilized uh, just raw fucking science to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. Well, and not, what wouldn't the image be flipped? Also, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, a lot of the lens work now, as you would know, um, mm-hmm. part of it's the magic now is that it, it, it flips the image for the observer. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember what they're called, but the cameras that you can... I almost bought one in Breckenridge. I kind of regret not getting it now, but they're everywhere. It's the one where you have to look down in the viewfinder. Yeah. I like those because it's, it's also upside down. And, and, and ca- again, call me a hipster, but like I, I like things that are imperfect and just antique, so, so antique, much strange pretty much yeah antique. um but but back to the that large format film when when we found out it was that crystal clear with no lens it dawned on me that that's amazing because when you look at collodion would this, plate would this, photography would this from be, the civil war would this be colored or would it be black and white oh mine would be colored yeah, yeah. Colored. but so a, colored a lot film. of people i think most of the format film even now for that size is mostly black and white or sepia but um i wouldn't care actually i'd probably do black it's and so white. amazing how we have but a filter it, well, well get this right it the thing that really clicked to me was i've always kind of i've known that civil war american civil war mm-hmm. pol- the collodion plate photography which again is large format film right um it's super crystal clear have you noticed that I you know I so my photography um, didn't really spur around until my mom my mom actually who is coming up not too not too my mom is also my mom yeah so uh, we were all DSLRs right Mm -hmm. so we did all of our digital photography Um, I I think it's more trust me like there's I love the processes that go into like some I'm very eclectic I'm about to get into that myself so like I know you film so you have to develop it. So like Which I hate that. for 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 me like I'm very eclectic. So I got into coffee, tea, and I love the ritualistic nature of preparing said things. Like to prepare this coffee, I used my drip coffee maker. So we we were I you 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 just put this. It's like the apparatuses that are you know you'd use to make something. It's just I love the process. But for for something like that, I never I never even thought of getting into actual film photography for whatever reason it, it's so much more magical because and i'm gonna diverge off it's just the so raw plate. It, it's so raw let me explain it to you because i when i went to college for uh college uh, a class on photography we didn't have a digital dslr at the time i had my mom's old high school which was a high school back in the day in the fucking 70s um she had a lsr so a film DSLR, essentially. Yeah. So I had to learn the hard way. All of my classmates in this college course had digital ones. I didn't. So I had to take chances and risks with film. I had to purchase and develop and see, yeah. oh, God, I didn't do the, the the shutter speed was wrong. I got some good pictures out the, of it, though. The financial input that you had to go through, too, <laughs> just yeah. to get the results were, were, were fairly steep, like, Photography just wasn't like a everybody 
kind of thing. It was like a an investment, you know. So to stay on that, right? The thing that makes film photography so much more mad, and I think I'm very good at explaining this. I think what makes it more magical than digital, and and don't get me wrong, the digital cameras are better as tools and and for professional use. It allows. It's a good teaching tool too. Actually, it's really good yeah. for teaching. However, I think me learning on an LSR gave me um, a second nature to it. Um, it wasn't fun, um, but I, I became a better photographer because of it. But film is magical, especially with the 35 millimeter, because it's like, what the fuck's the f-stop? Mm-hmm. Shutter speed is the same. Uh, you're not changing that aperture. And it's just like point click. The fun thing about it is, it's like strip it down bare to its essential qualities. What we've done is we've, as a species created a box with a hole on the end with a glass bead that bends the light onto magic paper in which the light image of the light of the image burns itself onto and not only does it do that but now it does it in fucking color <laughs> yeah we the magic paper can burn color onto the it, the, it's, it's a it's a it's a romanticized uh, description of what those kind of cameras did, and, and it's the, it's it's funny because I think years later, the love of physical photography gave me the love for um, horology and watchmaking mm-hmm. because they're really kind of similar. Because the watch is essentially it tells the time. It's not quite a computer. But there are some that it's are, damn close. There, there are some that are almost borderline. There. <laughs> it's uh, their borderline, especially uh, especially on the higher complication levels, yeah. where we're talking uh, uh, perpetual calendar level. Yeah. That's basic, almost a computer. It's a computer. I classify it as a computer. Okay, you would. It, so, it has to do with computer. But it's all being done because a spring is trying to unwind itself. Yes, and the and, and the escapement won't let the it. The sheer mechanical. Yeah, it's it's just it, beautiful. It is. There are pieces of art, and, and that's another thing I want to three D print pretty soon because there's a guy that's made. You it. want to three D print a watch? Eventually, the 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 goal would be first make what scale. So the the thing is, most people that okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Two, three people have designed and printed tourbillons, and you might right. we've talked about this. Okay, now. we have, um, and they work, but they're basically pendulum clocks. Right, they're big. But they work. It's a proof of concept. You can do it. And um, to be honest, uh, w- what's watchmaking if it's not somewhat hand-done? I-, I would feel no shame in printing out the parts and they're not working. Fuck it. I'll file it down myself. Just right, like the guys I mean, in Zurich. I mean, oh, I mean, that's that's also hand-worked. Like, you're just exactly. getting a raw material. Kind of a raw material. I know Patek Philippe has a lot of parts that are engineered in a, a CNC machine. Um, and... The, the actual craftsman will mm-hmm. get the raw part that's mostly in shape, but it's nowhere near to the tolerances that they will find acceptable. And it takes dozens to hundreds of man hours for simple gears right. to be toothed out the way they want it. And it's all done by eye, and it's done by human hands. Because it's funny, the machines aren't capable of replicating you know, human um, imprecision, mm-hmm. even though the imprecision is so much prettier and somehow more precise. It, it's very weird. If you've ever it's been like able a to hold a weird dichotomy, if there. you've ever been able to hold 
anything above the mid-tier horological um, scale in your hands just to be able to, or even just like in a glass case, you can tell there's a big difference. And it's 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 almost impossible to like put to words if you're not used to it. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's really just so damn impressive. But um, I couldn't find an image to show you to explain mm-hmm. um, the collodion plate stuff to go back to that. But there are some incredible army photographs of officers at camps or next to surrendering officers, you know, for, for, for record keeping purposes, um, as well as portraiture and, oh, this is what it was like back in the day. You know, right. they were doing that back then too. The images are so goddamn high def that you you think about it and then you, you look at something that was taken with a more advanced camera on, you know, on the face of itself um, 30, 40, 60 years later. Pictures of the First World War, in most cases, aren't as high def as collodion plate technology was in the Civil War. Right. And the reason for that was the format of the film. There was more information to be had per, we'll call it dots. Right. It's not dots, but that's the closest analogy we can give. Pixel, if you will. Well, I'll go with dots because printing the image is more of what's happening here because it's not a digital sensor, right? But yeah, it's the same idea. Just so, like, our our more probably, um, you know, uh, younger audience would uh, equate to, you know, a pixel as being a small collection of, I would say, data points, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have the resolution of just that that type of plate is just ridiculous. It is. Um, Especially the lens. What is the function of that? So even with the pinhole, you have that incredible... Well, so most, most cameras back then in the Civil War were the large format, but right. they also had a lens. Right, that big old thing that you see people get on the hood for yeah. with their so imagine, sulfur or like what, magnesium lamps. Yeah, so so imagine having that format camera without the lens. You're still going to get something as good as an iPhone back in the day. Back in the day. But, um... Back in my day. Yeah, I know, dude. It's getting there. I yeah. feel it. But... 1999. Oof. Dude, when that guy... 2003. <laughs> I did. Remember... When it was like, oh, he was the the kid that was born in two thousand three at work. Oh, Garza, the new one. Yeah, yeah. I Incredible. I just I couldn't yeah. help but say like something. Like my brother's else. age or my sister's oh, age, my actually. God. All right, oh, we're gonna take a short break here. Uh, so join us back when we're done with this commercial. All right, we are back. Uh, we're here with Nathan. Um, continuing on on our conversations, we were last uh, talking about. The incredible uh, resolutions of the colonial or colonial uh, collodion. Collodion. I'm not sure what that means collodion exactly, but I know that's what it's probably called. Probably some sort of chemical uh, things that's, inside the um, yeah. film. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, we were. Um, yeah, I mean photography. Uh, so I, I started with photography, and then I quickly had turned to uh, cinematography. Uh, rather, uh, it's just the. You know, kind of how we developed, right? How humans have developed. We, we started with photography and then inevitably had gone to moving picture, right? Which essentially was the same, you know, principles as photography. And said, now we're putting these these films onto spools. And creating the illusion of movement. And creating the illusion of movement, which now, I find now, find to me, be so... I mean, we still question. do that. Let me ask a quick question. I never liked it when people say the illusion of movement, right? Yeah. Is it really an illusion? 
I mean, technically, no. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, technically, no, because in all retrospect, the human eye has a frame rate. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The human eye has a frame rate. Um, so to say that the illusion of movement is kind of... It's like a uh, attempt to make it more... How would you say? Clinical? Not clinical. I would say more uh, exotic than it really is. Okay. I think okay. I, more... It's like what you would put on an advertisement to make it sound a little bit more spicy, right? You would say, oh, this is the illusion of, you know, flight, but... In the safety of your own home, right? And it's just a string on a fucking, you know, on this attached to the ceiling. It's the illusion of light. So we, you know, but yeah, we had the, um, we have photography that developed into, the, or, you know, movie. And it's kind of funny how we call movies film sometimes when they're still, you know. They're on digital formats. They're on digital formats. I mean, yeah, I just, actually, no, I tradition. think. It's just tradition. Uh, well, I mean, some, so mo- some of them. I'm sure there's, there's a vast majority of movie theaters out there that still use film projectors, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing to think about. That this just has hours and hours of film just stored up somewhere, I, and real. they have to time the audio I, and all I, that stuff. I'm going to be real. I think, and again, this is so expensive as to never happen, but I think someone... Oh, that's good. I, I yeah. What that's is delicious. this, by the way? It's Earl Grey. Is, okay. Is there any cinnamon in it? Twenties Earl Grey. No, I'm gonna go get you the box though. That that's really good. It's delicious. My I, favorite Earl Grey. I'm kind of a basic bitch when it comes to um, tea and coffee. Um, if I'm not back home at my cafe in my neck of the woods, I I'm like gas station drip coffee. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's Twinnings. Uh, so for the. Uh, Listeners here, we got uh, kind of like an assortment of beverages. We have uh, some coffee, some Winco coffee. Uh, we have ourselves some Twinnings Earl Grey tea that I brewed before you got here. 1706. Are you some kind of loyalist? <laughs> Long live the queen. Uh, yeah, it's fucking delicious. It's, it's really my good. favorite tea. It's so good. Um, uh, it's just It's just awesome. So we have, you know, we have some ginger ale as well. We have coffee, we have tea, and we also have mead, some homemade mead, which is... Extremely sweet. Very sweet, yes. I, I couldn't really figure it out until you told me. So I had um, I had to, I, I made it that way, uh, because I have some store-bought meads, and I was just so irritated uh, about... It's not so much the quality, the quality was high quality. It was more or less the taste that I was expecting out of a product... That tape that that is made from mead, and uh, we should go ahead and have you try some. Okay. That's just funny. <laughs> Might have burned it. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was super disappointed in the, the the what I was expecting to be a beverage that tasted like honey, and it fucking didn't. That drove me absolutely insane. Um. <laughs> Just out of pure uh, anger, you know, I might have dumped it down the fucking sink. Oh no! <laughs> so, so, but you're familiar with wines, right? Um, very vaguely. White wine. It tasted like a white wine. Oh, so that's weird. Very dry, and just not a fucking hint of honey, and it was pissing me off. I was very. I'm getting very vulgar here. I'm so sorry, but it was very aggravating. And I was like, you know what? I can do it, and it's super easy. I, I did it. One of my favorite YouTubers uh, uh, actually does mead videos now and again. Um, 
or sorry, he is cooking video. He's a, he's a video game let's player more or less. Um, but he it's funny because he went to uh, culinary school before he was like, uh, I don't want to do this for a living. So then he just was like, Nice, great time to do that. Yeah, uh, but it's funny because he's so good at YouTube and streaming that like he just he literally never loses subscribers. So and awesome. He never posts anything, and he's always in some sort of life project like moving houses or doing some other bullshit. And and it's he's never revealed his face in in ten years. Amazing. And uh, yeah, just, just removing all the mirrors in the house just to be sure. Oh no, get this. He had a video where he was showing him moving into his new apartment, and uh, like he's got a he's sweet, so he's got a really thick accent. And so it's funny because I thought he was going to do a face reveal by accident because he's in the restroom of his new apartment, and you see his flannel shirt, you see his hands, you see his phone, and all of a sudden. You, you see the mirror go by again. He's like, oh my god, is he going to do it by mistake? And it's like, there's no way. He, he must watch the video he, he uploads. And it's like, please, please, please. I want to see what he looks like. Because um, this was like seven years into his channel now. Yeah. But uh, anyway, long story short, um, he's doing his little voice where it's like, he's like, he's like talking as if he was the audience. Because he'll do that. He'll talk for the audience's uh, behalf. He's like, where are the videos, Robert? Where are the videos? You know, and, and so he has a stuffed walrus that he grabs out of the the the, the shower, which is on a stuffed walrus. Yeah, it's it's his, one of his mascot animals, and uh, he picks it up out of the shower, which is on. I, okay. I will say again. amazing. And he's like, walrus, where are the videos? <laughs> he's like, you haven't been slacking, have you? Where are the videos? And and then he comes back into frame with, or the mirror comes back into frame. And he's wearing a walrus mask. He's like, I am the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> and that the was the biggest all, play ever. And, and it's like, a, that was the trolled only video in months. That was the only video in months. And then months later, he hadn't uploaded and then did another series of, I forget what it was, From the Depths or something. Right. And um, I love that game. But since he was a culinary student, he'll do cooking videos now and again. But since he's Swedish and highly inappropriate, he calls it cooking with the cock and cock means something completely different in swedish probably cook it means cook <laughs> right <laughs> uh, you know and he does a lot of swedish uh dishes most of the time so like oh, there was some blood, pan blood pancakes oh. um yeah blood pancakes. it's like yeah part of uh, as if the english with their blood pudding wasn't any worse i think it might be the same thing probably um but he had a three-part need episode mm. and it was really fascinating um, it's a uh, brewing anything is quite uh, amazing. Uh, by the way, state law provides that I can make 100 gallons every year per legal aged adult in your house. So in my house, so in my domicile. So, so there's I two could, of you. I could make 200 gallons. Of alcoholic beverage are you, every year. Are you permitted to sell it? No. Oh, that would be considered moonshine. Moonshine <laughs> was like a, if I'm not mistaken, was a term given to any illegally made alcohol that was taxed or okay. that was sold. Yeah. And the reason why it made it illegal is because they didn't pay taxes on it. Right, which is where you get your profit. Exactly, which is where they <laughs> get the government get the money because the government was angry because they weren't getting their share of the pie yeah so that's why it was, became such a big deal but the basic principles of brewing or fermenting which is all it is and it was it was it was awesome talking to family members about you know my little projects with the mead 
and you know describing them all that you have to do and not many people know that wine that wine is carbonated after it has been fermented where does it get that from the fermentation process the, the yeast, process itself carbonates the, the, yes every every bit of alcohol so you're telling you mean to tell me you mean to tell me I mean that to the tell highly you. sophisticated hoity-toity society of elite folks, their favorite drink is a soda? Sure. Let's it go is with a soda. soda. That's so, awesome. So, yes, uh, every alcoholic beverage in its start is carbonated. Interesting. Wine is degassed. Degassed. D-E-G-A-S. It is the carbonation is taken out of the beverage. You could keep it in. You could keep it in. When, before Whoa. this, before mm. this, this was carbonated. Is when, it, when I would, you, did pull, you try it carbonated? I did. Did you like I it? I did. It was. It mellows out the sweetness a lot. The you know, I wouldn't. Don't get me. Don't take this the wrong way. I would try that because I'm not a big sweets guy. No, uh, I completely but, understand. My my mother preferred it carbonated. carbonated. Okay. My dad preferred it uncarbonated. Interesting. So there's it's 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 incredible. Like you have. It plays so much into the taste, and I tasted you it. You might have to teach me to do this because I, I'm a, I think I should send my mom and dad a bottle for Christmas. It's so easy. It's unbelievably easy. Um, you 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 taste it without the carbonation, and like we we did it cheaply. We just added tonic water, um, to provide just f and ever effervescence, and yeah, the taste had changed uh, just based on the carbonation alone. Yeah, when I was dumping it out of the fermentation vessel, it was frothing and foaming. Because of the, it wasn't frothing and foaming. It was that sounds bubbling. familiar. I remember part of the video was it like was, that. It was it was bubbling. Interesting. Um, champagne is just wine made in a certain region with white grapes that is in de-assed. Interesting. It it, it it omits a process. So so champagne's a soda. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If any, if there's any sugar content. I mean, what, is it, what classifies as a soda? Well, I like carbonated water, and I'd say that's a soda. It's called I soda mean, water. Sure. Yeah. Soda, I just, I guess, refers just to carbonation. carbonation. Yeah. So you can make a which, car- which, carbon, carbonated chowder. Which I can't believe that's I didn't ask you this at work the other day, because I think I must have asked Wilson or something, but I, I just, I keep forgetting to ask people, and it's like, I forget to ask other people I really mean to ask that same question to if I don't speak it into existence anywhere else <laughs> but um thank god i t- asked wilson because he didn't know but you might <sighs> is carbonated tea a, a a beverage people drink is that a a product people make i don't know i would imagine that would be popular in asia could you because ima- when i was in korea i don't know what I that would do to the taste I don't know what that would do to the taste. I don't. I think somebody made it. It would make it bitter. It would make make it more bitter. But I like bitter. Um, I like. I'm sure. I'm sure it just destroys all the flavor of the tea. I mean, most of the satisfaction of the tea is the flavor. I mean, that's what I like drinking tea. The flavor. Yeah. Uh, It's not. I'm not in it for the caffeine because caffeine in tea is pretty fucking. You know, it's low. It's low. It's like you can't. I wouldn't even consider it. Like I would drink it before bed. Like tea. Like (laughs) caffeine is just in tea, and especially like Earl Grey. I mean, English breakfast, I think, is like six milligrams or something. It wakes you up, though. Pretty pretty mild. Mild, right? I would say it's enough to wake you up. You think so? I, well, I mean, for you. Um, I, well, I'm a cat. I'm not an addict. I'm not an addict or anything, but I would say 
if I had a choice between coffee and, and tea, I'd probably pick the coffee, especially if I'm camping. Mm-hmm. But if I was waking up and I was feeling, you know, sophisticated that morning. Oh, sophisticated. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not drinking uh, the, the, the drink of the masses. <laughs> uh, I am a high-level functioning midwit, after all. <laughs> uh, I think I'm an elite, so clearly I'm not. So, uh, we are going to try... Oh, no. So we're going to try some vodka. <laughs> it, it, I, it was funny because I, I couldn't read it from because it was backwards. But it, Actually, so it's funny because look, look, no, 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 look. Do you want to try? Do you want to try a? It, the the person on the on the, from the back looks like acrylic letter. It definitely. Does. And I knew it was going to be vodka. So so do you want to try? Get back facing the fucking microphone here. <laughs> do you want to try a vodka, a rum, a whiskey, or shall we have more gin? <laughs> Let's do the gin first and then rum. I haven't had okay. rum yet. Uh, what what a, what a lame experience Korea was. I never got to drink any except for the small amounts we were allowed to have while we were over there which, because uh, of COVID. Which gin? Oh, the one I brought. Okay. The the tangeray with the orange. Because it's just, like you said, it's very, very drinkable. Here, sniff there. Oh, okay. And then pour off some of that. And it's coming from the freezer as... Most yes. should be coming from. Just look how syrupy it looks. It's, uh, it's a function of the temperature. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I'm being attacked by, attacked by ice <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, wow. I didn't realize that would really concentrate the smell. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's why uh, this side of the glass. So here we have some... Uh, go and tell the, uh, the folks listening exactly what uh, gin this is. So this is Tangeray. Um... I, I and and full disclosure, I'm between regular Tangeray and Bombay Sapphire. I'm more of a Sapphire guy only because it's a little cleaner in in, in its profile. Um, and since I'm how do I put it, I like really sharp, crispy things. Um, I don't like Coke. I like triple distilled yeah, cola. He, he likes um. He likes chewing on glass, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't understand. You know, it's, I was just born this way, and you know, don't be a bigot. So cheers. I mean, that's just—it's just delightful. It's—it's it's super nice. I mean, I'm—I try to. I try. It's refreshing. How many liquors exactly. are refreshing? Not many. I find it not many. And it's really odd. You think that any alcoholic beverage should be at least slightly... They sound or look delicious? Gin, I think, I, gin, gin, I think has a predisposed kind of uh, advantage to being refreshing. You think it's because of the herbs? Herbals, berries and... It's herbals, aromatics. Yeah. It's, it has that kind of nature. Like and whiskey. again, it's very... It's it's um like it's never... a lightweight. When I say yeah. lightweight, I don't mean in the alcohol so... content. I mean it's like in the profile of its flavor. God, I sound like it's, a... It's super, it's super mild. It's super yeah. refined. I don't know if it's like a function of the, you know, um, the herbals. Like, there's so many things that go into like what makes a taste. There's no extra sugar. Work. I mean, the sugar is coming from the berries or the the leaves or whatever it is that they put so in, these, in, in so all the different flavors. What, is, what are the? I used to know all of these things. So so much like how rum comes from sugarcane. Mm-hmm. That's the source of the sugar for the fermentation, mm-hmm. and then it's distilled. Um, or I mean, shit. I mean, even there's rums that are made from molasses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What are the 
what is the primary fermentation source for uh, gin? I will pull up the other bottle. Yes, please do. And because I'm forgetting now, because I know that the I know that the um, like the usual aromatics are like juniper and um, those kind of things. Sorry, kill your audio. <laughs> Uh, I think it's inside here. It's inside the... Oh, you think it's in the other one? Yeah, it's inside Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna try this uh, here. right after. So, on this one, the Bombay Sapphire. <clears throat> so, on the side. So, um, I'll read uh, the, the, this side and then the other one. So, it goes, starts with Grains of Paradise from West Africa, um, and I'm going to mispronounce quite a few of these, so bear with me. Um, uh, kebab berries from Java, uh, cassia bark from Indochina, almonds from Spain, uh, licorice, not licorice, but licorice mm. from China. Okay, interesting. Then on the other side, there's juniper berries from Italy, right. which you can tell... So. These are the infusions yes. that they do. Lemon peel from Spain, which right. you can tell on this one specifically. Um, cor- uh, ooh, dude, I don't know this one. Uh, coriander, coriander seeds from Monaco. And Angela root from Saxony. Angela? Yeah, you know, that's probably it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Oris, or iris root from Italy. Right, and, um, and this one can tell you. Let's let's down the rest of this and quickly put this one. So in. that was uh, that was more or less the uh, aromatics. Mm. I tell you what, the uh, the uh, how would you say the other one as a sip is very mild as a shot. It's a bit. That's that's one that comes out more. It's a bit more fierce, <laughs> but it's still great. So here we have the uh, Bombay Sapphire, and this one is so much lighter. The difference, yeah, the actual difference. That's what blows my mind about liquors. Like liquors is how actually different things can be. Wow, I still love it, but. It is so different. What do you think? Everything's milder. It's yeah. it's it's much more mellow. Yeah. It's super mellow. <laughs> Whew! Okay, so after a brief interruption, <laughs> we are back. What are, what are you talking what about? Interruption. That was a perfect cut. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just you high, literally. I'm high on the gin. It's okay. But back to the Bombay Sapphire. What interruption? I don't know. Okay. I don't yeah, know. You, you I don't just... know what it was, man. I'm, a, I'm just, I'm just living life. Yeah. So we, we just tasted before the, before nothing the happened. Before nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> before nothing happened, uh, we had just tasted this Bombay Sapphire, uh, and I do say it is bomb. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh, we have the dab jokes, folks. Quantum Consumer Podcast with the jokes. It is. Uh, We're consuming much, product. It is much more. <gasps> Capitalism. <laughs> we are much. It's much more uh, milder. Like I think it all knows. Yeah. Smell. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and taste. And you know what? I 
tell you what, let me get the other one out, the regular um, Tangeray, and then we can compare it to that, to both of them. Oh, we getting fucked up today. <laughs> oh no, there's so little left. You know, I should have, I should, we should have had Cornette come. Yo. We should have had Cornette come. Yeah, he, he, he gets on some good tangents too. Yeah. So. Go pick him up. <laughs> I just knock on his door like hey get dude like, get out. like you have the G- your vehicle in the building like, <laughs> get in <laughs> it's gonna be like 18 the ultimate drive oh my god fucking love it mm. um you got down that real quick oh are you fucking kidding me I'm please? not I'm not cause cause this is still cold so oh, Jesus fucking Christ oops that all of them much. Okay, good. Oh no. <laughs> Jesus. So this Lord. one. It's 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 folks, it's that kind of night. So there's no ingredients in this one. We're just gonna have to try it. Okay. Well, but I'm gonna tell you this. It's with that pen palette cleansers going. Oh yeah, coffee. Um so, so so this one will be a lot fruitier than Bombay. Okay. Now for those who aren't privy to um, you know, what's the word? Um culinary speak. Okay. What 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 do you mean by fruity? What what type of fruity note should we expect from this uh, standard ten curry? Okay, it's been a little while since I've had one of these, but what I'd say is instead of citrus, okay, and it's not mint per se, but it imagine more minty okay. flavors yeah, or minty tier. I'm gonna give it a whiff now. Ingredients. Yeah, nothing. I'm not getting anything. You don't smell. I'm, so I'm smelling the gin. But I'm not smelling really any aromatics. I think it's just standard aromatics. Like, so I'm not accustomed to juniper berry, right? Okay. So that's kind of like the issue I find is like when we're we're doing these like exotic sort of liquors, is we're not accustomed to the smell of a juniper berry. We're not accustomed to the smell of right. whatever. We're fish, not hard. Whatever fishing on Whatever fucking bark. But that they put in this fucking but, Bombay sapphire. Now, now we might be um, under the influence of visual stimuli here. But no, you're does actually, this not you're, does this not smell greener than the blue one? <laughs> like folks that is funny because this one is in a green bottle compared to the blue uh no i mean you're actually 100 right i mean like it's so hard to like a, quantify that statement if, if we had cody on here uh parker we it, it would be you know he would be able to tell us like completely like uh, i mean i have some knowledge but like, yeah physical or visual stimuli affect taste amongst yeah. smell yeah. and all those things so perhaps I mean, so does price tag as well. You did mention you, that. I've, yeah. I've mentioned this to you a while back that uh, there was a study done for the for the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. they did a study, and realistically, I don't think it was a study; it was just a fucking video that they just did. So it was like a, a social. It's experiment. definitely a fact. What they would call a social experiment, right? Um, video essays are pretty much facts. They're pretty much if they're thirty uh, minutes hard, or longer, they're, they're hard pretty, science. They're hard <laughs> science. Yeah, they 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 get written to scientific law. Uh, the uh, cheers to you, man. They um. So they got a chocolate cake. Mm. Whether or not this chocolate cake was store-bought or it was actually homemade, I don't know. Mm. But I, the idea is they had a chocolate mm. cake. Okay? And they had a chocolate cake A and a chocolate cake B. Both dressed the exact same. Okay? Both decorated the exact same with the frosting and whatever the hell. You know, au ganache. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But it was dressed exactly the same. And... They would have random passers-by uh, taste it, okay? And then give their tasting points, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, the only information about these two chocolate cakes are the price that these opposed 
you know, chocolate cakes would go They're identical in every other way. And they're identical in every other way. And they would be talking about the cheaper one out of the two. Like, well, it's it's sort of, it's dry. The frosting isn't as, you know, rich. And essentially, uh, sum everything up, they would fabricate, their brain would fabricate things to make the quote-unquote more expensive one taste better so what they're doing is they're justifying what the higher exactly price. is your brain justifying the higher price? ad hoc justification it will it will make shit up to make you feel less bad however buyer's remorse is still a fucking thing it blows my mind so so to that end right oh and tell me how you think of this real quick this one how does that compare huh so that ten curry has a bit more of what I would associate with. I think I'm picking up. See, what makes this? I wish I could actually go to like a juniper berry orchard, mm-hmm. right, and actually smell these things. Mm-hmm. So that way, I can identify them in the actual drink, right? But I'm pretty sure I'm picking up some. You know, it's it seems so exotic a, to me. It, it's such a strange fruit. You probably yeah. think you probably figured it, it out. It, it's it's you it's wouldn't be so surprised ex- if you ate one. Now. Right. It's yeah. it's 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 so exotic to me that it I has to be much thing it Right. Exactly. So 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 now between the tangeray that had the the, citrus, the orange citrus, this one which is the regular orange citrus all the way, which is best. I would sit down on the couch with this. Now between sit. the Bombay and the regular tangeray, I'm not gonna lie. That tangeray just normal is. You like it better line. than this one? No, no, no. I love the Bombay Sapphire. Which one's your It's just the complexity of those other two ones. So the Bombay Sapphire and the um, other one that you have. The Rangor, Rangpur, whatever. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I forgot. They're, they're both Tangerades. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Ranking is the Citrus one. Mm-hmm. Bombay Sapphire and Tangerine. So I like, so when I drink, I like to sip, mm-hmm. right? I like to enjoy the actual, you know, it's it's almost like, it's almost like artistry, kind of. You you are thing. unlike most Americans in which you don't drink to get fucked up. You drink because you enjoy it. Yes. The flavor is part of the experience. Yes, it's the artistry, kind yeah. of. I think. Um, the dullness of the senses only is the, a partial side. The history, and it's a delightful one. It can um, be. Yeah. <laughs> so like the, uh, I mean, like the history that all these alcohols and liqueurs have. It's kind of... It's that's another part that's incredible. Weird. It's the same with watches, too. And sometimes cameras. It's it's the, the age and the pedigree that makes it so appealing in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you know what? In the same way with like your, your slab of tea, the, the physical, yeah. hard slab of tea you yeah. have, that's... In- Hold on a second. I keep forgetting to show you this video. And you might have to embed this in some show notes or something like that. Because this is, is, again, back to the mechanical nature of why we love these physical devices. It, it's just, I, I, oh man, it's just so cool. Oh, no, 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 no. This, stop. <laughs> this is a typewriter. Oh, I love just raw mechanical devices here. Yeah, but there's no keys. You're oh, definitely okay. gonna 
Okay. You're gonna have to put this in the show notes okay. as a link because, yeah. like, I mean, so this makes a lot of sense for a language, a written language as complex as Japanese. Yes, Chinese. It's Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. Okay. So, but I'm sure there were Chinese right. ones like this. My first instinct was right. <laughs> um, so that's intriguing. So what we're looking at here, folks, for the audio listeners, is we're looking at a what I would say just imagine a normal typewriter, okay. And where the keyboard would otherwise be, imagine a cylinder. And on these cylinders are different slats, and printed on them are all of the different characters of the Japanese language. And the uh, writer here is rotating and moving left and right the, the, uh, the cylinder, and there's an, a metal arrow that's curving over to sort of indicate what character has been selected. And through moving this left and right and selecting, you know, the character, he's able to type all of the characters of the Japanese language, which I don't know off the top of my head, but from the look of the cylinder, there are hundreds. Yeah. And it's, hundreds of different it's characters. interesting because, and this is something I've only recently stumbled into as a, as a small pool of knowledge, but um, there's other, most typewriters back in the day were single press typewriters. Uh, that's not the term that people use, but that's how I'm going to describe it. Um, where you have a push to send button to send the print character that you want to print onto the paper. And then you would select another character with a, sometimes it was a stylus. Like imagine a stylus with a X and Y wire, and you would select. Oh, you would put the pen right. over the letter you want. So you would have, a, you would have a rigid wire. Yes, that you would slide this sort of like. An X, think of it like a crosshair. Yes, right. It's and exactly it like that. Amazing on this and, sort of and, lattice board. And, and there's a lot of Amer- there's a lot of English typewriters. Um, like, how tedious would that be? So that sounds awfully <laughs> fucking tedious. It sounds tedious until you understand that it solves a problem for office workers back in the day, which is. Okay. Rather than handwriting and copying all these fucking documents, you know, per hand and making it legible after the 80th copy, you just... True, there was no fucking photocopier. Yeah, machines. you get in the rhythm, and if you know it by heart, do 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 Right? Think of it this way. You know how... So it was reliant more on not the dexterity of your hands, but the muscle memory I, and the rhythm I'm, that you I'm would get into. I'm beginning to suspect that's why they weren't immediately replaced with multiple uh, keys right. per character yeah, yeah um also i think they're technically simpler even though they sound more complex but if you consider japanese as i ju- as we just you yeah know, seen that is beyond complex there I mean, wouldn't be enough character the characters if you put it out on the ascii keyboard, on a board like it would just be like four feet wide you would be making a flight computer yeah it would be ridiculous it, it wouldn't be usable um Beyond that, there were some where it was, there was American ones or English character uh, typewriters that were like that cylinder one. Um, there's a few other designs. I can't remember off the top of my head what those sorts of typewriters are called. They have a name because it's, they're dependent on the one key press to send. But again, we're most used to typewriters that have the physical keys um, and the um that transitioned of course into electronic ones where there wasn't a need for a physical hard push to get right. the whole mechanism to swing forward um, right because there was a lot of heft behind the keys until my mother went into high school and she learned her typing on a electric uh typewriter um which and, and i want to get into what is, what is this enigma you speak of an electric typewriter impossible <laughs> 
Heresy, in fact. Heresy. Um, Blasphemy. But um, Hang him at the gallows. What's really interesting, right, is that um, did you have a typing class back when you were in school? I did have a typing class. Okay, yes. so so this is this is interesting. My mother is much better at grammar than I am. Mm-hmm. Now she went to nursing school. Amateur, amateur writer. She Hello, went, how are you? She went to nursing school, so I'm gonna imagine she's a hard, a much more hardcore writer than I am. Let's just be fair about that, right? But I've I always wondered was there something in her education that made her a little better at it for some unknown reason. And it was through a article I read on Primitive Technology Magazine, which, ironically, <laughs> is online. And uh, it, it, there was two things about it. It was, it was a two-part article, if I'm remembering this correctly. It was a few years since I've read it. But essentially, the first part of it was, was describing how typewriters are being... Um, I'm sorry, let me start that over. There's... A couple really poor school districts in America that don't have the money for a computer lab, right? So how do you teach kids in this day and age uh, typing literacy? Well, the easy solution was for this this board of education was, well, why don't we just invest in some old school typewriters that are garbage and just fix them? And then, wow, we have a typewriter lab instead. Wow, they will learn typing. Mm -hmm. Now, as it turns out, the study, they were, uh, they, it was so successful in this really impoverished part of America. And I, again, I'm sorry, I can't remember which part of it it is. Um, what was discovered years later was that these kids not only have bigger vocabularies than their peers for their age groups, mm-hmm. but simultaneously made less spelling errors and were quicker than their peers on uh, computers. And there are two reasons that were posited, but not confirmed. I would like to guess the reasons. Go for it. Go for it. So from the standpoint of just the sheer difference of the (laughs) ASMR here. (laughs) So the sheer functionality between a computer, digital, digital, right? Digital. And a typewriter, mechanical. I only game on an analog piece. I only only game on a typewriter, actually. Keep it. It's you write your own adventures. My, my left hand is quite strong. Um, uh, no, but I've, I've had to posit, uh, you know, what I think those reasons were for their two, supposed, two reasons. Two reasons. Two reasons. supposed increase Give me in two. their abilities is uh, I might only be able to do one, but either way, I want to get at least fifty percent is yes. good enough for me. Um, there's no risk factor. In a digital, computer. that is one of them. There's no digital. They, the, if you make an error on a typewriter, you have to white it out. You have to. There's a physical you have to process. Un, you have to unspool the paper. Yes. You have to get white out ink. White out ink. Smear it. And then the worst part, line have, it back up. You have to line it back up perfectly. Yes. Otherwise, it's clear you fucked it up. Yeah. Second reason, I'm mm-hmm. going to guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second one, I would believe that the. There is so much more physical feedback that the you almost start to get into muscle memory slightly mm-hmm. with typing. Am I kind of in the right zone there? You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> At least we got fifty percent yeah, of the puzzle correct. Um, right. I just wanted to roll with that, but yeah. um, uh, there was a part of it that explored a concept, and it wasn't posited as. The researchers were positing this, but um, it was it was uh, it was alluded to that another perceived and this was from technol- uh, 
primitive mags perspective, not mm-hmm. from the research. Right. That they were positing that the kids were doing better in vocabulary because if you have to, um, man, I might get this wrong, but if you have to press every single key, right, make it count. Yeah. Right. It, if you're going to do all this damn work, make something better. Um, if you have to be so I think, precise, I think I would tie that into my uh, it, it, my answer of physical it, feedback. If you have to be so precise as to not fuck it up because it's such a pain in the goddamn ass to unfuck, because there's well, a risk involved. You if might you as well up, go home, go hard, or go home. You like you know how it improve uh, modern day uh, you know typing. Is that would have a nine millimeter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's fucking go. To, to just, just to, like if you make a boo boo, bang 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 bang. <laughs> you know, I'm only I'll, joking. I'll, electroshock therapy yeah, for misplaced uh, quantum, words. Quantum uh, quantum consumer podcast listeners, I would not do that at all. Um, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna we're I'm gonna transition to this. Ooh. We're gonna transition into this. Wait, wait, wait. Something I say? had one more thing okay, because the article was a two thing, right? And it went into this this um, basically a a political rant essentially that just uh, out of nowhere about uh, typewriters into political. Well, in that, wouldn't it just be great if we just stopped using electronics for fucking everything, and specifically business, right? If we started a business, let's say we started a um, a metering. Sure, that would be weird to have an office for, but let's say we did. Have an office, right? work, everything. I just go. Let's let's assume. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. So we hire office workers. We we lease out space. It's very expensive. Overhead is, is very huge. expensive. It is very expensive. What's the I most expensive? What's the most expensive part of overhead? Like in the factors of like rent or utilities. Minus or... the rent. What's the most expensive factor? I think uh, electricity. Yeah, it is electricity. Yeah. So imagine if you could cut electricity from your With, bill by like, let's say by, 50%. Are you suggesting typewriters? So primitive technology mag suggested not only typewriters, right? And, and again, typewriters would be not exactly efficient because we need electric documents. We need yeah. printed documents. Email is such a, like a it fundamental is so part of modern effective. business. Yeah. And, but email itself is not really energy consumptive it's a pretty small process it's a very it's i mean realistically the most consuming part of the process is just having your computer the operating system and the screen the email part Mm -hmm. is nothing let let's let me if you had a computer that was like a small screen and solely dedicated let's say gmail Mm -hmm. made an operating system and it was only purpose was to make Mm -hmm. emails emails yeah it would be let the me, most power let me efficient. Give, thing let me ever. give you something even more efficient than that that actually is a product on the market. There are several of these, in fact, and primitive technology clued me in on this. You ever heard of the term word processor? All the time. It's I learned that in my high school, uh, high school <laughs> office ed it, class. It, it's a program, but back in the day, it used to be a product, a tool. Um, Interesting. And nowadays, there are still word processors that have come back into vogue, and there are new ones, and their displays are either LCD displays, or if you want even more efficiency, because they're not that efficient, but they're more efficient than LEDs. Uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Hold on. LCDs are... Yeah, yeah, I had a picture in my fucking head yeah. first. <laughs> um, nowadays, they make them in e-ink displays. 
which only draw energy when the screen has yeah. to be refreshed. Yeah, yeah. And if we're only refreshing by character... Uh, folks, you can uh, find your nearest e-ink uh, piece of hardware on a Kindle. If you're listening to this and you have any sort of sway in the industry and you're not making phones with color ink displays, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm Nathan Hayes and I support this message. <laughs> but um, when we're talking about efficiency of energy, right? I love how this is evolved uh, into just efficiency in the office place. Yeah. Uh, and and that's a big part of a business, though. Is it is. Again, we're talking about cutting 50% of our our electricity bill as, yeah. as business owners, right? We're, we're green. So Let me be clear. When we're talking energy, when we're talking, sorry, when we're talking computer usage, mm-hmm. less than, <laughs> no more than 20% of your operator force in your office environment needs a full-fledged operating system and computer. You need, tech, oh, you, need you need your network guys. Go ahead and rephrase that. Go ahead and rephrase that for a second here. 80% of your workforce does not need a Windows computer or even a Linux computer or a desktop or a laptop. The only thing they truly need is a word processor. So is this like on average? On average. On average for across I used to, business. I used to be a contractor for the Department of the Air Force. Okay. okay. My job... Uh, let me... Uh, I'll yeah. be vague. I'll be vague. Yeah. Um, Please do. I did... Constru- uh, I don't want to have to redact anything. From no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, the most thing, the thing I held was a public trust certificate. I okay. didn't, I didn't touch secret documents. I could have, but that wasn't. It was for it to be on site. But um, my job was. I could have. Uh, <laughs> they, they were there. Uh, no, people weren't following OPSEC or ComSec. The only thing that was really secret, or sorry, the only thing that was protected was contract information that was not public yet. Um, at least to my knowledge. But uh, for me, my responsibilities mostly, primarily, were about real property data, who owns what, at what was changing, and what dollar amount was going between government to contractors back and forth. And what overlying company was this, if you're privy to say? Uh, don't, don't, have, don't feel obligated it to didn't, say. It changed, actually. Uh, the, the, the government customer liked having multiple vendors doing different work okay. um, because some companies are just really shit at concrete. Um, but also, so they have a specialized concrete. But also, it's in the government's best interest to have them compete for the contracts because it drives the cost down. Hold on, side note here. Yes. I have just noticed your watch, as you can see. So, uh, as you probably have guessed from the earlier stages of this podcast, Nathan here is a avid uh, watch connoisseur. And he has a beautiful Seiko watch. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's S-E-I-K-O. Seikos are probably one of the more world-renowned uh, watch makers. Mm-hmm. And he has this lovely watch. Would you like to tell us the model of this um, watch? I don't remember the model number, but I know that it is a turtle. Um, turtles have been ooh, it is, it discontinued, is. except for the special editions at this point. Uh, that is, I think... Kind of a it's a, so it's an automatic divers. Yes, rated for two hundred meters, which is the ISO standard, and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It has a lovely bezel. I'm a amateur <laughs> at best, as I, as am I. I only know information that I've read on the internet or watched on right. videos. But this is the thing: you pursue that. I do not. <laughs> I pursue other things. Not like, yet. Like science. Not yet. You will probably so, get into this. If so you're not careful. this is this is lovely. So one thing that I like to say about a quality watch, mm-hmm. 
or one thing that I look for um, in a like a dress watch, so to speak, right? Yeah, is the ability for the watch to lay completely flat mm-hmm. and not have the band bunch up underneath the watch. So that's not really possible if I, you have a leather strap. I love this though. <laughs> to me, okay, this okay, is I see. Well, okay, okay. you, you could me, use a NATO to, to me, it serves as a design purpose. Okay, okay. Right, so to me, if I want to admire the entire watch... I see what you mean. I, I want the band to lay completely flat and have the... Uh, what would this part of the watch be? That's the case back. The case back yes. to lay flat. Yes. And there should be no notable or disturbing uh, curvature of the band. Mm-hmm. And it has a beautiful... I love and, gold and, and, and silver. And for the viewers... Viewers, God damn <laughs> the listeners, right? Listen here, you idiots. You can't you tell what you're looking at? <laughs> um, it's a rubber strap on this one. Um, I can feel that. And yeah. and Seiko's I think some people complain about it. Um their their leather bands aren't awesome, so it, but it has, their rubber straps are great. So it has texture it does. on the inside mm-hmm. part of the band and not the outside. As you as a connoisseur, mm-hmm. what is the uh design purpose of that texture so there's two things um and it depends on the band no slip i imagine part of it um another part is sometimes it is just design um it is just a part of the product that's pretty interesting it and to be on a uh interior yeah sort of something you wouldn't see but have you ever i posit that it, it provides airflow because i think a lot of the problems with wristwatches and especially if you like to wear them all the time, which I breathability. I have, exactly. But rubber straps are breathable anyway. So I have a for those that you. So I love utility watches, mm. and if I'm dressed appropriately, I will wear a fanciful, you know, lovely dress watch, as I call them, uh, that that Nathan here has. Um, and I will say it has a beautiful, just fucking beautiful, uh, gold bezel, and a black face. That, that would be black, yes. It is black. Yeah, black face. Amazing, amazing watch. Oh, oh, oh actually, uh, where's your light? Is it this one? My light? Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the the glow-in-the-dark, uh, you know, minute, quarterly time pieces there. And the, uh, of course, hour and minute hand. Otherwise, it would be fucking yep. useless and dark. The, the luminescent paint from Seiko. Luminescent paint from Seiko. Is that a specifically... Um, it's, a, it's, it's a descriptor of the paint. Luminescent paint. Uh, a lot of companies make their own luminescence. Okay. Um, is it, is it of the same radioactive material like traditional? These are not radioactive. These require light to um, energize. Okay. So like UV light. Sunlight any, will any charge light. it. Any light will do it, but UV light and sunlight are the best. The thing about Seiko's uh, pri- uh, pri- proprietary. Pri- thank you. Pri- pri- yeah, that word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, their brand of luminescent paint is only... And, and again, my experience is somewhat limited, but in my experience, is only uh, rivaled by Rolex. Intriguing. Um, I don't know much of the chemistry, because, you know, I'm this science guy. <laughs> so I would dive into the chemistry of the, you know, luminescent paint. Um, Essentially, it's like the, the star stickers you put yeah, on your ceiling. it's the same thing. Um, uh, but I'll be a, honest. It's a specific pigment. That is that. That's why most of those things have so a sort this of off white. This one's in green, thing. but they make them in blue. They make them in yeah, yeah. orange. They do and they make them colors. in pink. Interesting. And at this point, I'm actually looking at getting um, a ball. So Seiko's Japanese, um, and and part of the reason why Seikos are so round is that one, it was the first Japanese brand that started beating 
the Swiss Titans yep. in most of their trials. And in fact, the trials ended before Sego could eclipse all of them. It can't be a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. So you and Alex Warsham, who is a you have you I think you know, I, Alex yeah. and Sierra, um, who are now in you know in Deutschland. Um, he also loves Sekos. He also loves watches. Mm. And Washington does too. Actually. He introduced me to uh, Seiko. Uh, originally, actually, he was the first one to introduce me to Seiko. And he, we pulled up a video of their uh, continuous minute hand. Ah, uh, yeah, the spring drive. Yeah. Yes. So Grand Seiko's spring drive is interesting. So the watch on my wrist is a mechanical watch. It, it It's a spring trying to uncoil itself. But the um, escapement mechanism has these teeth. Mm-hmm. That catch it from doing so that every couple every half tick, second, tick. Um, and that's where you get the tick 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 tick. Every half tick, it's catching it and letting it releasing it because the spring is sorry the balance spring which is connected to the drive spring is bouncing back and forth while the main spring is. If you couldn't coiling. tell, watch mechanisms are very difficult to describe through audio only (laughs) get ready for it to get much worse yes because while it would be very easy to describe a quartz mechanism it's electricity stupid um (laughs) a spring drive combines both so um a quartz mechanism essentially uses the piezoelectric effect yes and uh instead of a vibrating spring for for those of you that don't know the piezoelectric effect is all over the place in your modern life. Piezoelectric crystals are everywhere from your lighters uh, for like, uh, how do you say those, those long stick lighters, right? Yes. Where you hear that significant snap, where you hear your barbecue lighters. Uh, they're every- <laughs> everywhere. Um, because you, uh, what was found, I don't know this currently, but when you crush this crystal or, you know. Give it energy. Give it kinetic energy. It actually induces electric current. Basically, if you don't have a god, you should worship quartz crystals. Yes. Moving exactly. on. So when, um, when, when, when you what you do is, and this is like really simplifying it because this has gotten very, very sophisticated in the last thirty years, but you take a quartz tuning fork. Yes. And it vibrates yes. at thirty two hundred times a second. Exactly. Yep. Okay. My watch at best, and this is way out of. Uh, way out of tolerance right now i can guarantee fucking tee that my watch at best is going to do plus or minus um 180 seconds per day because i it's fucked up right now but it's still plus time um, <laughs> plus and this is due to atmospherics altitude gravity yep. other shit yeah, yeah yeah um a quartz watch the one on your wrist most likely if it's not an, uh, a fucking apple thing um <laughs> It is running at 3,200 times a yes. second. I'm vibrating at, let's call it 400 times a minute. So you can tell that the accuracy will be higher anyway. Because it's those vibrations that say, hey, 3,200 times, that's a second. Go ahead and count that. And the, there's also there's also deeper mechanical stuff that goes on there. I forget the actual bit of part of the watch, but in the quartz watch, mm-hmm. uh, where they have that quartz tuning fork. Um that you induce a voltage to and it vibrates X amount of times. Uh, there are parts in the quartz watch where actually it deducts, it takes that 32, 329, you know, vibrates a second, mm-hmm. and through a through some electronical component, it'll deduce that to a, uh, you know, a factor of that, and a factor, and a factor, and a factor, until it's one, exactly one hertz. 
Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Um, now, spring drive, right? So you got the two. You got the mechanical, and this is to include automatic watches and just hand-wound mechanical. And then you have the, the one we just described, which was quartz movements, right? These two movements are very different. Seiko, in the mid-2000s, decided, why can't we have both? So imagine the power that drives uh, the electric component of a quartz movement is powered by a spring and a flywheel. And the flywheel is regulated by the quartz movement. So there's a, an electromagnetic braking system that stops the wheel from spinning too fast or too slow. Amazing. And it's regulated by... It has to be super... It, has, it itself has to be timed well then. Yeah. So the only way it's smooth is such that... So let me be clear. In the early days of quartz mechanisms uh, with the um, Bovola Accutron, and I butchered that name, not the Accutron, but the, the, the Swiss company. Um, back in the day, quartz watches had a smooth sweeping hand. Unfortunately, as great as that looks, it's highly inefficient. If you didn't yeah. know, um, and that's why it was fallen out of favor for tick, tick, yeah. tick. Now for mechanical watches um, at low low frequencies, uh, the way mine is ticking is tick, 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 yeah, tick, yeah. tick, tick. Now if you have a high beat uh, mechanical movement, and I have one from um, Zodiac, and by the way, he was referencing the amount of movements the second hand takes before it gets to the next indication. If you have a watch on your wrist and it's analog and the second hand is going tick, 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 there's only two options. One, it's a quartz movement, or two, you accidentally paid $20,000 for a mechanical watch to do that. And that's a very, very interesting horological uh, uh, oddity. Uh, there are people that pay that much money to have the tick like that. Yeah. Um, it was It's an old thing that's new again. Um, it was highly sought after in the old days because it was it was different. Now that all mechanical, now that all quartz movements do that, it's a it's a niche product. Um, high beat movements in mechanical are smoother than mine, and you can see mine smooth. Yeah, it's it's pretty right? smooth. Imagine something three quarters smoother than that. That's a high beat movement. That's incredible. It is, and it's so beautiful. But a Grand Seiko Spring Drive is absolutely perfectly buttery smooth. No, excuse me, no, no hesitations at all. No ticks. No, no flutters, because the spring is allowed to uncoil at the pace that the 3,200 vibrations a second allows it to do. Basically. Any pause in the movement of the second hand is undetectable to the human eye. And um, that's what makes it so incredible. It's the accuracy of a quartz movement, but with the tradition and beauty of a mechanical watch. Yeah. Not to say that the pure number-crunching power of an atomic clock isn't interesting. <laughs> it's wonderful shit. Um it's much the same as a watch that can go to the Marianas Trench and back up again. You'll yeah. never wear a watch, uh, what, 10 centimeters thick on your wrist? Yeah, yeah, never. Uh, but the pack, the, the the beauty of that is in the engin over-engineering yeah. 
of the device. The specific design for yeah, it, it's beautiful in its execution of its one major task. I mean, we have atomic clocks on pretty much every satellite. Yeah, um, um, and there's there's stratum out of, one, out of two, necessity. and three. Um, I had a watch that was approaching stratum three. Um, amazing. But I gave it back because I found out the hands were off centered, and I was like, I paid a lot of money for this, so I I mm. gave it back. But so I had a watch. Safe say when it's at the 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 midnight position. Yes. They're kind of off kilter a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And if you're paying at least $700 for a watch, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and it was a quality control issue and it happens. I won't mention who because it, it, you know, it happens, but the, the watch itself was a high accuracy quartz movement. Oh yes. They make higher accuracy quartz movements than 3,200 times a second. Believe it or not. Get this. Your watch, you, your, that one right there on your wrist, mm-hmm. is a quartz movement. It's not connected to the internet, is it? No. Okay. If it's connected to satellite, it's a Stratum 3 watch. Oh, well, well, I mean, it does have GPS, so... I, okay, I, I, it I conceivably wear... has signals from GPS or radio stations. Yes, yeah, so at, I'm wearing... At, a, at, for those that you know, I'm wearing a Garmin Instinct Solar Tactical. Um, so, at, at so. best, you have a Stratum 3 device on your wrist. Yeah. Industry ex, uh, uh, professionals know what we're talking about. Um, generally speaking, you don't need anything better than that if you're a regular person. I mean, um, I could teleport to any place on the planet and acquire my local time via yeah. GPS. So, and, and GPS watches and radio watches are not that expensive anymore. Um, they used to be back in the 80s. But now, you can pick up... Um, any number of Citizen watches. And Citizen's another good brand. Uh, they don't make mechanical I've right heard now. Um, I have a couple. Uh, they make really good watches that are connected to that network. And they're fantastic. They all work very well. But again, it's Stratum 3. Now, um, can you jog my memory? I'm forgetting where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Um, you're talking about if your watches were connected to the... Oh, internet. high accuracy. Yeah, high accuracy. So when I talked about regular mechanical to high beat mechanical, that was a increase in accuracy. Uh, my mechanical watch is 120 seconds plus or minus uh, a day. High accuracy mechanicals are talking maybe 40, 30 seconds a day, plus or minus. A regular quartz watch. That's downly accurate. Without any sort of connection for to mechanical. A, yeah, it is impressive. Now, a regular quartz watch that you can get at Walmart um, without a GPS or radio network uh, connection. We're talking plus or minus... Eh, plus or minus... We'll call it 15 seconds a month. Yeah. Okay. That one being Stratum 3. Plus or minus a second... Um, well, it doesn't matter. We're, that's so much better than what is necessary. Mm-hmm. But it, it's cheating because it's part of a network of exactly. satellites and radios. It's so, not so purely mechanical. I, I shouldn't have brought that up. My bad. Reports. Now, now here's the thing. That's not a luxury anymore. That's a that's a technical tool at everyone's disposal. Available have, for $400 on Amazon. There is a satellite radio watch off Amazon from Citizen that is available for $80. Amazing. It, it's actually really wonderful. I mean, sh- shan't we forget? Like, there's also many more capabilities with this watch. That's oh why yeah, it has a higher steeper oh, yeah. price tag. Yeah. As far as like accurate timekeeping, that is the purpose of that now, in the system now, launch. Now, again, to reiterate, and I'm sorry to repeat myself again, but a a a, a, a uh, Casio FW190, which is what most people in the world wear it right now, 
um, it's what Osama bin Laden wore. Um, <laughs> uh, that is plus or minus about 15, 10 seconds a month. High accuracy corpse movements are plus or minus one or five seconds a year without a radio connection or a satellite connection. Citizen and Seiko are like at each other's throats trying to make it better and better and better. And at times, I'm not even sure who has the upper hand because right. I... One releases a product, the other releases a product, it, and it's just this... It, it, it is unreal how... I mean, what makes the... Personally, mechanical watches will always be more impressive. I agree. Just sure sheer principle on the fact that there is zero electronics. Mm -hmm. It is pure mechanical kinetical, kinetic energy. Yeah. A spring driving... It's more romantic. It's... And of course, there's more pedigree to it. Of it's course. a poetic version of what a watch is. Like, yeah. I mean, you go back, and that that was the only version of watch. Mm -hmm. Which now, is funny because back in the day, when quartz movements were were uh, developed, they were the exotic thing. They were the luxury. right. Because oh, did you quartz know crystals. Rolex has one quartz watch in its entire catalog? Really? It's called just the, one. It's called the Oyster Quartz, and they're highly sought after to this very day because they only made what, one. What did they come out? Um, oh, they only made one. They they only made one line. One line. Okay, yeah, so there's yeah. only one model. Yeah, and that's it. Um, it's not the most rare watch they ever built, but it is the one that you can't find. Uh, out of the other ones that are even more impossible to find, um, like the original like uh, prototype C uh, uh, Submariners with the bubble case. When we're talking, right? Yeah, a bubble. Imagine like if the, the bubble like went a, up this high, like a dome. Yeah, the dome goes this high. Yeah. Because that was the only way to protect the rest of the watch. Jesus Lord. Um, they're, those are fucking impossible to find. But um, when that and those citizens that I have, and I have two of them, um, those watches are really great tools. They're fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're super perfect. Great, super great tools. No one needs anything else. My watch better. I fucking change swiftly from Apple Watch to this watch. One, oh, for sheer use of features. I can still use this watch as a smartwatch, um, but the sheer amount of features, I can use GPS to guide myself home. Get this. Um, I, the battery life is close to a month That's before I have to recharge this thing. Whereas an Apple Watch will last you maybe three or four days with extensive it's, use. It's awful. It's like your phone. Why do you want that on your it's wrist? It's terrible. I, I mean, that. one, I mean, so a phone will at least last you, my phone at least lasts me about a day and a half. Must be nice. Uh, a watch. I mean, shit. I think if you get an older watch or like if you have a Apple Watch for some time, and I'm not talking shit about Apple Watches. Oh, I will. It's just, I mean, they're trash. But I mean, the, the sheer fact that they that opinion was fact so the reason why they have such a poor battery life is because the size of the lithium cell and the sheer amount of shit going on their little lcd displays not only that but the they firmware. Just, it's just ah just it just screaming energy there's so many things that it does and it's like constant bluetooth i can turn off your bluetooth, bluetooth communication to my phone to save battery life that sounds like an outrageous feature and bloatware when I, when I want when I want it also has a atmospheric um pressure sensor it has an altimeter it also has a compass 
just solely reliant. I could leave my phone at home, and this would be completely I'm willing to bet if you put that thing in a Faraday cage, it would still tell time. Yeah, absolutely. You're, it that, would. That watch probably has a higher accuracy movement internally than an internal movement of an Apple Watch. No, 100%. But, I would, and, I would and, and, and let me be clear. As a rebel against the system, I hate smartwatches. But I, I, it's funny because the mechanical watchmaking companies that are dipping their toes in smartwatches, while there are issues, are, in my opinion, doing it better. Yeah. Blanc. I mean, that's why I love Garmin watches. Get this. They have the opportunity to turn off the smartwatch. Not watch. only has G-Shock released, release like, actual, like, digital square watch, like, their classic G, uh, squares in a, um, uh, with Bluetooth connectivity uh, features now, but they just released a full smartwatch that is as, mostly as tough as their regular G-Shocks with Android, whatever the hell it's called. And, uh, it, it's funny because no one else makes watches the way watchmakers do, um, and and it's just going to end up being that way. The and I'm not sure if I really uh, like where it's so, going. So that's I, just it. Like I smartwatch is a completely different world. It's not a real watch. It's, it's not even a. It's not a real watch. It's a completely different species. I'm not even consider it genus than the actual watch. Don't be racist. Now. It's 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 not even the same because. The things that make watches so appealing, especially Seiko's mechanical watches, even quartz watches, is the separation or just complete independence of internet and your yeah, phone oh my God. and uh, everything. That's what makes and, it so... And I back mean, to the independence from the network, right? Yeah. I did want to finish the point about the, the article, right? Mm-hmm. Was that, again, only... Only 20% of your workforce needs to use a hardcore computer. Right. I was one of those individuals. I had to work email, and I needed to track documents. I needed to be on a network drive. And finally, I needed an Excel spreadsheet as a whole extra monitor to track items. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Um, beyond that, the other duties I did as a secondary role could have been done on a word processor. There are word processors that use um, e-ink displays that are network connected to Google Drive, Dropbox, and emails. And you just lack color. Not anymore. There are color ink displays. There are now. color ink displays. Uh, folks. The next, there are color the ink next phone I'm gonna pick up when this piece of shit dies on so me. So I'm just imagining that there's probably a new Kindle version. Of course, I'm not tracking the oh, new Kindle version. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you, color I'm so displays. fucking mad. And again, industry experts, I'm coming for you. <laughs> it, if there is one phone on the market that is color ink display, there are like five black and white. Right, because that's a phones. niche. That's a niche market as well. But get this: there are like ten, ten color ink display tablets already. This technology is like a year and a half old. Where are the phones? Where <laughs> they're more efficient. I'm going to have to buy the, a Chinese the, phone. The issues are. I'm coming for you. The issues being that the reason why we're so like griping and, and like complaining about these things is because the color or just e e ink displays are just call so it call it what it is. It's called ink. <laughs> ink <laughs> are so energy efficient 
Yeah. They're unbelievable. The only time you're drawing power with an ink display is when you refresh the screen. Yeah. And if you're talking about a word processor, you're changing one letter at a time. Sort. Okay. So fair. Granted, a phone. So if you were to have a phone, mm -hmm. what, so they love, I think the majority of people love the sort of interactive GUI and, mm -hmm. you know, operating mm -hmm. system that is on a phone. Yeah. So you'll lose a lot of animations. No. And stuff like that. No. You'll lose a lot of animations. Nope. Nope. Not anymore. I think you would. Ink. So get this. There's a video and I can show it to you later. There's a guy playing PUBG Mobile and he's killing people. It's not pretty to look at, but it is usable. But let me ask you something. Really? Do you want to keep so using this, this piece is, of shit? This, this is the issue I'm saying. I'm saying that if we're talking going off the base of why they're better, as far as energy efficiency, that refresh rate needs to be low. When you're playing a game that... You can change that, the refresh rate. That refresh rate's going to go... But no one's going to play a fucking game at 2 FPS. Hey, is that a bad thing? Okay, you can go and play your let, solitaire. Let me, let me ask you something. <laughs> you old man. Let me, let, me, fucking... let me ask you something, nipper, uh, nipper snapper. <laughs> You see this? This rotating. Your, your beautiful 3D rendering of mozzarella sticks. This is my wallpaper. This is I a monstrosity. And if you left it on, your battery would die in no time. Let me let me explain something to you. I don't want to live in a world where this is possible. Uh, it's a it's a horrible I, hellscape that you cannot let, pass. Let, another thing I don't want to do. I want to use my phone less. I want to watch YouTube on my computer, not my phone, because yeah. my phone is with me all the time. Which is something I wish I could just tell yeah, myself not to I, do. I, but I, I'm a weak. Ill-willed or poorly, your willpower is just not there. I am not. I am not the last man, unfortunately. But as it, as it were, I still despise this thing. Um, you know, um, until the government force uh, compels me to put another government tracker in my body through a vaccination, um, <laughs> this will have to do. And I would like to get rid of it if I can, or use less of it, because honestly, it's really. I I don't read like I used to. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, I have think four was... goddamn books I need to be reading right now, but I'm a lazy sack I, of I, shit. Hang on. Hang on. I have turned to audiobooks. But then I'm again, reading books that the, don't have audiobooks the, for obvious the, reasons. Right. I got you. <laughs> the, the, so the issue is, I think there's a difference. They're there's a one. stark difference <laughs> between reading, reading a book, yeah. and listening to a book. Yes. I don't think you get the same enrichment as far as like a intellectual standpoint from listening to a book than reading a book. If you want to, if, you were, if we're talking about increased vocabulary, you're also and grammar, you're also relying on emphasis placed on words and phrases and passages interpreted by the, another person. Yeah. So that's another problem. Yeah. Or maybe it's not a problem if you have poor comprehension skills, but it is something to consider. But folks, we are due for another break here. We're going to be uh, taking a short break here. And then when we come back, we're going to be introducing a, uh, you want to do a rum, right? Yeah. We'll, do, we'll and, try and then, our and rum here. And then I'll here. also uh, break out we'll the break tequila. We'll break out some tequila that we're also going to try. So mm -hmm. we're going to be trying some rum and tequila. Uh, so stick with us for after this break. You're listening to the Quantum Consumer Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitch and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Now back to the show with your host, Brandon Cox. All right, we are back, folks. Welcome back to the Quantum Consumer Podcast with Nathan. Um, we have here, as we said before, we have some tequila, um, and we also have some rum. Um, that we're going to be trying here. 
Let's do the rum first. So we're going to do rum first. Okay, so uh, our selections of rum that we have are Captain Morgan, Caribbean White Rum, and Havana Club Puerto Rican Rum. Uh, this is a Normie rum, so let's do this one. All right, we're going to do Havana <laughs> Club first. I have like a pretty much a mouthful, like half a mouthful left. So we're going to be a little bit... We're pretty much going to drink the rest of this. Because it's about time I get some more. Let's go, Captain. Ahoy. You didn't say like nearly gay enough to be in the Navy. Ahoy. Tell him about that Navy gay commercial. Oh, he showed I me showed that. Him. He I was losing him. his shit at work. Was I was great. losing my mind. It's amazing. Okay, so here we have um, Havana Club. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it is a Puerto Rican rhyme that you can find on pretty much every liquor store. It's got to get me fucked up. On there. Very much on the nose, harsher than the uh, gin. Not going to lie to you. This smells like what Sharpies smells like. Definitely. Okay. Does it taste like what Sharpies taste like? I guess I'll find out. As a sipper, most I, I like to focus on, I like to sip alcohol to get the flavors. I think what you, is that? I think you do a disservice to any alcohol that you're trying by just taking a shot. No, I'm going to go watch the next Marvel movie and just get wasted. That's how you should consume alcohol and all products. is just through sheer... Don't, just intake. Just, just do what Jay Brahman tells us. Like, just just consume product and then get excited for next product and and then get wasted and shit. So we're gonna we're only gonna compare after we have tried the between the two of so the Havana Club. So and the Captain Morgan. I'm not even sure what I'm tasting in this. I can't tell. Yeah, um, I don't even taste the sugar. There's not. And even, you're telling me sugar that's is what, a big part of it. That's what. Uh, so it is made from. Sugar cane, typically, or you can also use molasses as the sugar content. Yeah, I think it's, um, you don't get any of those, like, more complex flavors that you do with gin. Because it's not infused with anything. It's not bad, but it's, I still prefer the gin because it's sweeter. It's, 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 it's super. But is, is, but I was expecting something more sweet. I mean, I, I'm too, I'm sure there's some, some sweet rums out there. But I have not found one is, yet. This one isn't? I No, I don't okay. think so. Uh, I'm interested to see the difference, though. Um, hmm. Let's see how this one goes. But yeah, so that was uh, Havana Club Puerto Rican Rum. And now we're doing some Captain Morgan Caribbean White Rum. Alright, so let's go ahead and uh, have a sniff. Oh no. Ooh, I cannot feel the bridge in my teeth. <laughs> that's not. Oh no, it's much more like Sharpie. That's a. This is giving me vibes of like fourth grade. Yeah, that's a. Where's the glue? <laughs> Where's the Elmer? Where's the side? Where's the side of glue? I'm looking here. Um... Genuine horse product. <laughs> Very cool. So forty percent alcohol by volume, and this is also forty percent. So alcohol what? Sixty percent horse. 60% horse. Uh, Dude. Little known fact. I'm so glad you picked up on that. So, rums all consist of 60% horse. Dude, the brownies are not going to like 40% this. actual rum. And then, don't... I tr Trust me, like, this is the confusing part. There's an extra percentage of pain and despair. Okay? And Sharpie. I thought that came with being in the Navy. You know... I think that's. Yeah, that, I think you're right. That's an additive. Let's go ahead and uh, it's an, the sniff. It's I, an additive given I, I to given to the the glass by the user. 
I will agree with you. There's much more. Also, you're 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 using a snifter, so it's going to be much more focused. Um, I'm using a sort of what is that you call What's it? the um, what was that shit you were talking about earlier today at work? The um, the cone of uh, of RF. What is that? The what area? Fresnel zone. What's the Fresnel zone of this glass? At least seven. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. That's the first one I don't like. What the fuck was Jack talking about? Hmm. What was he on about? I, Captain Sparrow. What I the fuck was he on about? <laughs> I think it was mostly Spice Road. Can we put cinnamon in this or something? <laughs> or ice? I didn't like that. So, yeah, I can't say I'm too... Uh, I, I, I must I say, like, I think... Rest. I think that has kind of changed me, um, uh, perspective-wise. Because before I was very keen on rum. Well, let's um, fix that. Because second. I had only ever tried uh, rum before, and it was kind of like a milder. I'm also keen on vodka. I have a there's an Amsterdam citrus vodka that is very nice. You get a lot of the citrus notes, and you're able to very, very much drink that. Just for your that's own uh, feeling pleasure, tell me how cold that is. Uh, that's delightfully cold. It's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, so let's go and rinse these glasses. Okay. Oh, uh, palate cleanser. No, ginger ale. We'll go for the uh, either ginger ale or coffee, I think. Uh, or maybe coffee and then ginger ale. Oh, damn, I gotta do more coffee. Mmm. There we go. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. Okay. So... No, I'm not going to explain the story. I'm too drunk to do that. Even though I'm a, I'm a lightweight, if anyone can tell. Um, I don't like tequila. Here I am describing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Very cool. Um, this was the first tequila I found that I liked. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, the the gentleman that gave this to me loved this stuff. And it was like, here I am not able to describe the story I told you I wouldn't tell. Oh, well, we got to oh, get that one. We gotta I'll, get be that I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. There she is. There she is. We're there in action. she blows. You gotta make all these Captain uh, Sparrow references. I'm sorry. I think there's maple syrup in Let's that. note the viscosity that changes with alcohol. Amazing. Okay, so this is uh, John Julio. And it's the um, the brown one. Yes, the brown bottle. Uh, Don Julio Reposado. Uh... uh <laughs> From the freezer, by the way. Tequila, yes, so this is like ice cold. Tequila is made from agave. Uh, so it's a it's primarily a product of Mexico, is where you'll find a lot of uh, tequilas coming from. I don't know if there's any like classification, you know, jurisdiction like there is with champagne where it has to become from a different or a specific area. Wow. That's a different, completely different than the rum we just smelled. 
This is much sweeter in my opinion. Much sweeter? Did you have it so yet? So you're picking up the uh, agave more? Did you taste it yet? No. Okay. Um, no, I don't think I'm tasting um, the, this, the, the sharp green plant, but I think I'm tasting more sugar. I'd say so. I mean, so there's a lot more... I think you're getting... So with the rum, you're catching a lot of that harshness much sooner. Whereas the this this tequila rolls over the tongue first before it evolves into the more harsher notes. Completely different, you know, smell from the rum. Like, stark different. I can smell the difference completely. You think it's... I don't know if I... So, taste-wise, I think I would prefer this over over rum. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's sweeter? Because I think it is. I think uh, I'm I'm equating that to less harsh. Um, I don't know if I'm actually t- like tasting any like straight up sweeter, but I'm definitely noting less less harsh. Like the okay. alcoholic punch is not there. I mean, this is also at forty percent. I'm presuming, which is what most uh, liquors are at. Is around forty <laughs> percent. <laughs> he said he was gonna do it. <laughs> he said he was, he was gonna, gonna do it at some point. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's the uh, that's the alcohol talking. That's the alcohol. <laughs> so, oh, God, cheers. Damn. We really did it. So um, that was the one. Dis- that was the one tequila. The uh, Don. God, I have to drink another thing. Don. This must have been what it would have been like to be on the, the drunk episode of Mythbusters. I can oh, start to feel probably. what they were doing. Like, probably. like they all love liquor and alcohol and beer. But having to do it for a job must have been miserable. Oh, more coffee. God damn it. Not to mention the liver the liver taxation that you would have I can only imagine the liver of Jamie Hyman. Okay, so this... Can you imagine the liver of Jamie Hyman? Oh, um, like an iron lung. Just like it's just iron. It's just iron. He fabricated himself in his workshop. The walrus. The yes. Walrus. So here we have some eighteen hundred silver. This is room temperature. Okay. So here we go. This is a notable. Oh, you the watch. Very temperature different change than we have been experiencing so far. Bro. Okay. And with our. Oh no! See, this is the thing. That other tequila, I liked because it was it had a flavor to it. But this is exactly it doesn't smell like it, but it tastes like what Sharpie smells like. Yeah. Um, Fire, I'm just downing. It. I'm I'm trying to think that it uh, it pretty much smells the exact same. Oh, oh shit's gross. I don't. I'd say that's a little bit sweeter. See, we're 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 disagreeing here. That's a little bit sweeter. That's than weird because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I didn't like that. So at that all. Con- that concludes our. It was this and the 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 the, God, the Captain Morgan rum. I didn't like that either. You didn't like that either. So you're not a big rum guy. You're, you're keen on gin. That's your that's your news. <sighs> Am I boring? I, I don't think that's boring at all. I think I think gin. <sighs> gin so depressed. Gin has been so much more. Complex. It's gonna just make me drink more. <laughs> gin has been so much more complex than any of the other liquors that we've tried. Uh, much more complex than these rums. And I think... Don't try to placate me with nice be, words. No, beca- <laughs> truly. Because there's just more... There's much more steps in the process. There's the... the What's actually called the gin basket. 
There's more ingredients too, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. it's because of the gin basket. You can quantify Which means there's more ways to change the recipe. Exactly. So mm-hmm. gin is much more versatile in its sort of yeah. flavors because they don't have gin baskets, and that's the reason. I think, I think the reason why it's called the gin basket is because that is the first liqueur that was infused with uh, aromatics and herbals in that way. Hmm. Uh, for those of you that don't know, of course, I've done my research because I love this sort of thing. When you're distilling gin, you are essentially taking the liquid, all right, that's, that's been fermented. You're putting it in your distiller, okay, and you heat it up, right? You boil it, mm-hmm. right, to get the alcohol to evaporate. Alcohol has a lower boiling temperature than water. So the first bit that you actually get off, interestingly enough, the first bit that you get off is actually methanol, which is toxic. So when they actually distill alcohols, they actually discard the first couple X amount of distillate, which is the product that comes out of the still. Uh, They just discard it because it's majority methanol, which is toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the stuff that comes after is the ethanol. So that is what we're, that's what we're drinking here. That's the, that's what the 40% is in reference to is 40% ethanol by volume. Um, In the wonders of gin, what they have done is they take, they added another step in the distillation process. So you have the still on the bottom, which is where the fermented stuff is with, with a strained, strained, it's strained out from all the stuff that was in it. Mm-hmm. And now you just have this liquid um, and it removes color because the end product will be clear. Um, so we heat this mixture up, this, this, I think it's called mash or must, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, it varies between on between liquors and alcohols. Um, so we heat this up until we get to the boiling point of alcohol. And we release that alcohol. It travels up the still, and along the part of the piping of the still, we have what's called the gin basket. And that is where we have the, the herbals and aromatics, like, you know, the juniper berries, okay. whatever else okay. the fucking thing said. Yeah. When they make real infused vodkas, they use gin baskets. And the reason, I think the reason why they call it gin baskets is because this is the first alcohol that technique was used. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Full disclosure. I could be wrong about that. But if that name stuck, it has to be related somehow to the fact that they did it first. So they infuse these herbals and these herbals can vary. So when they're making a, a vanilla infused vodka they have real vanilla beans inside the gin basket that then that hot vapor that hot alcohol vapor with some water that hot alcohol vapor with some water goes through the gin basket actually heats up those vanilla beans and then just gets the flavor and ex- from osmosis. Ex- extracts the oils by osmosis by osmosis and huh. heating and stuff like that and extracts the essential oils out of whatever you're infusing the alcohol with, and then it goes to the condenser, which then condenses that hot gas and steam, hot alcohol alcohol vapor, back into a liquid, and that goes into your end product. And what ends up happening a lot of the times is they will actually, uh, which is also common with scotches, uh, or blended scotches. So when we hear about like blended liquors, whiskeys are often blended. Um, 
So they'll blend different batches of whiskeys to get a final product. So like mm. blended scotch are is a collection of different distillations um, with different properties and characteristics that these that the brewmaster. But they're mixing the flavors. That were, they're in mixing the, end, the flavors, in the and in the end, we have this final product. Okay. Um, so you could do the same thing with. It probably allows them to like remove or subtract and add other uh, parts of that process to make different um, yeah. lines of the same liquor yeah, without yeah. changing their production process. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why. Um, Man, how unromantic why, is that? That's why I think no. That's why I think we like the gin better is because of the sheer complexity of flavors that you can get with the gin um, through oh. through natural means. Like I don't think there's any artificial flavorings in those gins that we've tried. I don't want to unless know. the label. I don't want to. I don't want to know either. I want to let the magic. I just want to revolt against the I, modern. Movie. I want to let the magic rely on the gin basket. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. So if it's okay, not what I wanted to bring up until now. But we've had discussions about simulation before. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring it up now, as a, and I'll pause the question in a moment. Um, We're getting into the science segment of our podcast. Uh, more philosophy and metaphysics. I, we do philosophy as well. Uh, this philosophy kind of ties, ties into science. It, yeah, especially for metaphysics. From an uh, right? academic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if... Suppose this this is made in a highly mechanistic, scientific kind of clinical way, and we're not privy to that, but we can imagine with our mind's eye that it is would extremely. You to, would you like to pour more in? Oh, you already have. Oh, I have. You want some? Yeah, this rum is quite atrocious. Bad. That's why it's a mixer. <laughs> That's another thing I don't like about modern liquor alcohol culture is that it's uh. It's all about getting fucked up, and it's like, well, sorry, but I don't like being fucked up. You know, and it kind of makes me disappointed, because I had said previously to, I don't know who, but I, so I might have probably tried these, these rums raw, probably right when I turned 21, which is quite a bit in the past now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I think that's the reason why I didn't remember I didn't like them. Because I'm a, I'm pretty, I'm pretty eclectic. Like you see my alcohol mm-hmm. collection here. So it's like, a good, good mix. I like to, I like to dab a little bit. So that's probably why I wasn't remembering. And it's really if, nice. Now I'll be honest. I, I imagine, now. I imagine these rums will make good, uh, good for uh, mixing. Oh no, into... they are fucking amazing. Okay, rum and coke, rum okay. And coke they shine because they bring out this weird vanilla flavor in the Coca Cola. That's just not present. That's otherwise. just not present otherwise. It's okay. su- super interesting. That's cool. That's some sort of chemical but, but, but your but your philosophy. Yeah, um, so so like I was starting, if if it really is done mechanistically, right, and it's super just absolutely atrociously unromantic, as we're positing it could be. If we just continue to stay ignorant to that fact, if that's how it truly is, and let's not find out is it better is it actually that way is it really traditional if we don't discover it isn't because our perceptions drive reality and we only act 100%. on our perceptions of a reality so does that again i'm not i'm not saying if we all start saying the sky is red if everyone says that tomorrow the sky is not going to magically actually be red it's not going to change how it's vibrating mm-hmm. right such that we see that color but but for all other practical means and purposes, it's red now, right? Is it really red or isn't it? That's what I'm really asking. 
and we've talked about this before, but I, I, you've got some time to chew on that now. It's been several, almost a whole month since I even brought that topic up. Between simulation and simulacra, like, what is real? What's hyper-real? And what's meaningfully uh, authentic? So, when we pause that question, mm-hmm. in a... The $5 word of the day. In a... Really, we've said that we've quite said a lot. We've said it so much. I'm gonna, it's the liquor talking. I swear. I'm gonna, it's a great word. I love that. <laughs> I love that word. Really, um, you will find it all over my book. Um, <laughs> but um, I'll end up. I'll put a counter at the end. I'll say how many times. Can you pause it? Me more liquor. We have said pause it. Um, but yeah, when we when we propose the idea of reality in physics mm-hmm. and science as an objective thing, as an objective thing. Um, I won't even go there. I'll, I'll give up my own opinion. So this is the opinion part, folks. Um, the correct one. Yeah. <laughs> the fact. Um, my truth. My truth. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, is, this is the larger thing. Reality is dependent on perception. Mm-hmm. Right? So each and every individual has their own reality. Okay? As far as physical manifestations of things, mm-hmm. right? Color, sound, smell, they all see relying slightly. on the sensory organs and senses that we have been given. With that being said, for example, there's a very, very common, or at least I think common now, proposed by Vsauce, I believe, was the first kind of person to postulate this, or at least that I've seen, and will kind of like thunder rolled across social media is there's no real way for me to, like, for example, colors, right? Everyone sees it slightly differently. Yes. Only some select people are able to tell hexadecimal values from another. And they get a lot of money to do it. Not even that. I'm talking about, like, a fundamental difference. For example, from an early age, right when we're born, we are told that this is blue, right? This is red. This is green. Mm-hmm. And there's no way for me to describe to you what my blue is like. There's no way. Until there is a time where you can hop into my brain through VR or yeah. augmented reality and see the colors that I see mm-hmm. and the way that I see them. Because it is it is true that we perceive the world in different ways. For example, we have our own opinions. Uh, we like different sounds. People like ASMR. And those are degenerate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so they, um, you know, we have different sounds. We like different. Cheers! I drink to that for we, we like different sounds, right? As a fundamental thing. So, what means that our vision doesn't work the same way? How our brain interpolates the data that we are getting from our retina through our optic nerve to our brain? What makes it different? What so so that's the thing. Reality is perception. Real reality. Is objective through physical means. Is it? But okay. Is it? Is it? Again, I'm not. And personally, I do believe in an objective reality. Sure. But does that matter in the sense of not? Oh, anything's justified if you're having fun. Not that, but I mean, and, and we're, we're we're straying into like political stuff. But like when we're talking about social sciences here. Uh, to keep it clinical, where where does that really matter? 
Because, like, here's here's a through our through our individual perception of reality. Because, like you said earlier, everyone it, lives it, in their own little world. It doesn't matter. It, 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 see, I, it doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? Because I disagree. Through a scientific standpoint, it doesn't matter. Why not? Because our senses are garbage. Okay, they're garbage. We see such a s- small portion of the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm-hmm. We hear a very, a relatively small portion of the sounds that are available mm-hmm. to our human ears. Right. Which is a small sliver of the EMF spectrum. There which are we can there see. there are plenty of organisms like dogs, cats, animals that can hear in portions of their you know range that we cannot. So we are we are garbage, and humans have had that sort of um, their in- inherent intelligence that has been you know garnered through evolutionary means and you know those kind of means. Uh, and we said, okay, so our senses are garbage. Let us create devices and technology that is far better than our senses. Okay, but, like, gonna throw a wrench in that, maybe. Go ahead, But, please. uh, like, how can you... How real is it, really? Right? So, so like, for us, being communicator... Um, communications uh experts in our field mm-hmm. sure we can predictably predict sorry, whoa i'm drunk we can reason makes it fun we can reasonably predict with a certain high degree of accuracy that our links are going to work despite the immense distances involved yeah. and the immense ridiculous variables of spin polarization yeah. of of um data rates and other inane bullshit that we're forced to do for ridiculous reasons that truly don't matter in the grand scheme of it all. Okay. But we do it anyway. But we can say 99% of the time, this will work if everything is working. It's only that very rare. We've never ever, we'll, ne- we'll never ever experience the equipment or the theory of the thing not work because of this one atom is out of place because it's very predictable and, and, you know, but when you look at a spectrum analyzer, for instance, right, it could just be bullshit. And, and not only that, it's just, it just happens to always make sense. And it always happens to show you something that you can perceive as, oh yes, this is helpful to a uh, helpful tool that makes our thing work. But like, it's a simulation, right? It's a, it's a physical, it's sorry. It is a graphical representation yeah, there we of go. a thing you say. can't perceive. Yes. Okay. And it's a useful simulation. And I'm willing, and I'm getting, and I'm going to get this wrong. Baudrillard, don't fucking kill me in my sleep. <laughs> but it's, I think, a second order of the three simulacra. It, it, it is. Can you go ahead and tell them what, oh, what you mean by simulacra? So simulacra is, a, is, is multiple simulations. Um, a collection of simulations. Yeah. So a, a spectrum analyzer would show um, it's a it's a, a collection amalgamation of this is what the EMF spectrum looks like this is how much energy is here uh, this is what sliver of it is here's how much you're looking at oh and the color yellow is used as your so graph. it's a simulation representing multiple different factors and characteristics of what we're trying to it's multiple see. simulations rolled into one okay so Baudrillard would would um, 
I think is that the person who first postulated this kind of yes. idea of thinking? Um, French cigarette enthusiast who wrote some books in the... Uh, ah, so always people who write some fucking books, I, right? Yeah, fucking books make you gay and this is what happens. Ah, but, um, anyway, you're... What, um, well, start your question over again. I kind of lost it. Uh, uh, describe to people what simulacra would be. Oh, okay. So we kind of already did that. So, so Baudrillard would ask you in his book to consider the word simulation a little more open-mindedly than you're thinking now. Because I think the most general, I mean, I, I'm, I am habit to this as well, but I think the general audience and general public think of a simulation as involving computer. Yeah. And, and this is in no small part because of the matrix for, for, for Gen Xers and boomers. Yeah. And then for new Gen Zers and younger, they're thinking of Elon Musk in that interview he did at the, not a TEDx talk, but like something similar, a big open event forum. And he said, he started saying he's a fan of the simulation theory. Sure, there could be something to that. I mean, you, but, know, what, you know what physicists say? What? That if, there's, if the universe truly is a simulation, then it almost certainly doesn't matter. Yeah. It I agree. Matter. Actually, it means nothing. It means nothing. But nothing what change. Baudrillard would ask you to con- to to, to um, consider is is to broaden your your definition of simulation. A simulation, at its core, is a re-representation of a thing that exists. Right. So if I draw the picture of a spoon. That's a simulation of a spoon in its likeness. Not quite form, because it's not Mm three-dimensional. Now, if I make a clay model of a spoon, that is a physical representation in form, size, and shape. You are simulating a spoon. Yeah. So I think think we can draw a simile where where he was trying to go for it would be interpretation. Yeah, or um, the word we like to use for mimicking people and their behaviors is um i use it a lot and i'm drunk now i can't remember but i think most listeners know the word i'm trying to say even though i said so little but um baudrillard asks that you perceive the word a little differently than normal um instead of you know what i'm just gonna start out with it fuck it i've said this before to you but i'll say it to the listeners you're living in a simulation right now it's not a digital simulation. It's not an electronic simulation. It it's is a biochemical. A, it's a, better than that. It's worse, actually. It's a social simulation. Your life is defined by signs, symbols, and um, similar such things as that. You perceive people by the clothes that they wear on their back, the watch on their wrist, the car that they drive, mm. the things that they drink. Social status. Yes, plays a big part it simulates that. things that otherwise can't be communicated but by knowing the person personally. Um, a stop sign, it's in the name, is a sign, but it tells you and communicates complex instructions you need to enact once you get to it. Uh, you need to, to, which is societally agreed, agreed upon. Yes, which is its own set of things Baudrillard would mention. But to keep it simple, excuse me, sorry to be rude, uh... The stop sign tells you once you approach it and get to it, you need to first stop. That's the first instruction. The rest of the series of instructions is something you should already know. 
check left and right, check in front of you, make sure there's no other cars that need to uh, have go right through, away, have right away, like need to proceed before you. And as coast is clear or clears for you to have right away, proceed left, right, or forward as you intend to as the driver. Um, that's really fucking complicated for a red octagon with the word S-T-O-P, those are the letters, not a word. Stop is the word um, <laughs> on the thing. Yeah. It's not just stop. It's stop, look left, right, forward, assume, and, and understand who's in, who has right away, check again, proceed. That That's way more than the word stop. It has other meaning. Um, a, a Porsche badge, oh, I fucked that one up, uh, means quite something different than a uh, Ford badge. It has a monetary value attached to it. It has, it has a, a class signifier. It has a class signifier. It has all these different things that are attached to it because of our a, societal a, norms. A person, two people with a Honda, the same fucking Honda model, can also have different um, signaling uh, factors or ooh, ooh, I'm fucked. Uh, different signs attached to them by what they attach to the vehicle. If there's a a um, a, a hook mount, I don't know what they're called. Hitches. But, uh, yeah, for like when you're when you're um, on on yeah a tow hitch. Yes. Not a tow hitch. A, a hook on the front of the bumper for being towed by a vehicle on a raceway. Hmm. If that's the only other difference between the two Hondas, you immediately assume maybe that other dude is into auto racing, auto auto sports, right? That one item changes your perception of the driver you've not met the driver you've not seen the driver you they're the same color make model year they're sitting next to each other in the parking lot and you already think and, and i'm not saying this is wrong of course of course this is dependent on if you have that because i wouldn't know what the fuck that was i thought it would be just a weird oh, and that's the other right? problem so some be, of these signs aren't universal it would right? be if you have that initial yeah. data and knowledge that you, you don't have, have the firmware right. air quotes to understand that so that's my, now you do that you've heard it this it, is the it's thing. transmitted by voice or images and shit like that means means and how right? is this how is this tying into simulations and a reality so here's the easiest way to consider that disney mickey mouse uh, all the cartoons all of the disney princesses they exist as a a entertainment medium on VHS and DVD and, and streaming services. But that's not the only place they exist. In the mind's eye and in the media you consume on those physical mediums. They exist in the real world. Did you know that? It's a place called Disney World and Disneyland. You can meet these people. You can go to the place. You can go to the castle that you see on all of the movies. I mean, hide your children because I'm about to say something wild. <laughs> but we, we all know that those are people in costumes. So it's not the real people. What the, the fuck? real characters? Whoa, dude! Sure. This is not a tinfoil podcast. I was told. <laughs> um, but um, so so, but but over your heart. So we all know Disneyland is hype. Is uh, synthetic, right? It's not physically artificial. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not every facet it's, about. It. It's a real place. You can really go there, but it's not real Mickey the, Mouse the is not a real person. The materials that you go and touch are real, but the but, but, characters but, never existed but, until now outside, outside of a human mind. But now, we have a better word for this, and Baudrillard coined it. It's called mm. hyper-real. Hyper-reality. Right. 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 We have that in photography. 
or a hyper color, rather. Oh, okay, okay. I see. And as long as in the, in the digital, in the digital sphere of photography. Yeah. Um, a little different, but I, I see what you're kind of getting at. Right. As um, a base analogy. Yeah. Kind of with more complexities I, with which I won't push back on it because that's that's a good a good bridge. Right. Um, but but hyper reality, the hyper real itself is is where people there are people in this world that especially in america that have seasonal passes to disney world i was one of them consider that right i was one of my family people's lives are dependent on how good disney product is we know these people they're so addicted to marvel they're addicted to star wars they're addicted to mickey mouse i will just clarify i was not part of the people we just wanted to go Pretty frequently. Right, so live right, right next to it. It's a cool place. It really right. is. There's some neat things there. But um, here's a good one. Uh, one of my favorite attractions of Disney World was the Indiana Jones show with you know the fake bomber and the the they're replicating the scene from the first movie where uh, in, uh, where Harrison Ford is fighting the really buff Nazi next to the bomber. After this philosophy, we also go to movies. Yeah, and, uh, and he you know and, and it ends with the scene with the guy the 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 German guy being. Uh, shredded by the propeller, even though he's got the upper hand and he's gloating over Indy and he's about to, you know, punch his lights out. Ah, shit. classic movie. Classic Classic, classic, classic writing. Movie. The, the villain's arrogance. If he had only dispatched Indy that much quicker, he would have survived yeah. the encounter. Real life doesn't happen like that. No, That's no. That's the, the hyper-realism. It is. That is. No, you're right. That's exactly another part of it. But I wanted to See, mention folks. that the, the, the movie is a hyper-real extension of... Uh, non-historical fiction, yeah. right, that has historical elements seeded into it that was replicated in real life every fucking hour, on the hour, every goddamn day. At this, It's happening now at this park, if the park is open right now because of coronavirus. Fake and gay shit, by the way. But um, the the thing is, it's still happening. They're still re-simulating the scene from the movie. You understand what I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. right? The the hyper reality is like three folds deep at this I point. I mean, I mean, truly, if you have that kind of prior concept, we are constantly simulating things. Oh yeah, movies, TV shows. To that end, to the original plays. To the original question I asked: What's authentic? I mean, so that's the that's in the, a materialistic so, sense. So I'm not, so we're yeah. men of faith. We so, don't have this so, problem. We so don't yeah. truly have this problem. Well, I mean, we're men of faith, but in, like in completely different parts of the spectrum. We're not too different. I would, I, I, I would, would say, say that we are. No, I don't know. I don't know your deep, like your extent of your Christian faith, but mm-hmm. I'm a deist. Sure, I, I everyone, get what everyone, you're everyone, whatever, every, whenever, whenever, whenever anybody hears that, I go, I'm a deist. I'm, a I'm deist. not super convinced, and I don't mean that in, in an insulting way. Uh, I just, um, I think we're closer than you think. Okay. Well, I mean, I do believe in, I do believe in God. Yeah. Yeah. You're God. Yeah. I would, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. He created the universe Mm -hmm. and that is where he stopped. He has no direct influence. Oh, so like the clockwork maker kind of perception of God. Like he's not intervening. Yes. You know, I, I'm fine with that, dude. Like, I mean, I I get that. I don't classify myself as an atheist because I still believe in God Mm -hmm. because atheism is a definition of, of people. That's completely fine. I don't hate you. Okay. I, f- I find I find um, like our most notable, you know, science speakers or science educators. Um, most notable comes to mind, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. um, and there's another man, white man, middle age or probably a little older, probably in his sixties or fifties, 
gray-haired, you see them all the time, you know, and they just straight up diss, I would say, for people who believe in a god. They're the gods of the midwits. God of the margins, that's what they call, right? So it's, <laughs> we basically place our god where we do not under, or understand something. So I place my god mm-hmm. at the Big Bang, mm-hmm. right? Because my, you know, understanding of the world, and I'm very, very much into science, scientific theory, the way that science is, you know, is is done and that's where i put my god because from my knowledge an iphone doesn't just sprout into existence something has to create it Mm -hmm. so in the big bang that's a prime example of how something has to be created yeah um Uh, and they don't like that can i hate it can i say something spicy they hate it can i say something spicy of course um i'm of the opinion as uh my homie uh aristotle would probably agree um, atheism is one of the most embarrassing products of enlightenment thinking to ever exist. Uh, Aristotle, Plato, and all of those, those 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 cool cats would laugh at you if you told them you had no faith in any of the gods. No, I mean, I mean, I would wager. And, I mean, that's the same thing for science and yeah, physics. Yeah, um, you, it, Einstein was religious. Yes, he was, and completely dismissed the idea of quantum mechanics. And, <laughs> yeah. and spooky yeah. action it is yeah. because the whole idea what well, you're of, you're afraid of entangled atoms yeah we'll see so so the whole idea of quantum and uh, quantum mechanics you know Einstein is dead it's what a fucking loser <laughs> it's all it's all prob- probability mm-hmm. and Einstein was quoted as saying God does not play with dice yes right yes, yes. so and then we have like these new age I'm sure there was some jokes other... on you he plays craps <laughs> every week in Vegas <laughs> <A> Yahtzee uh, <laughs> So there was there was some other you know he he rolls a Yahtzee and boom a black boom, hole. Oh, we got it. That's how God creates black holes. Um, <laughs> but you know we we come to I'm sure there was other you know scientists and physicists and theoretical physicists of his time who were also um, that way, but also uh, atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that that number very much adamantly increased. Oh uh, yeah. For what cause, I do not know. I can't even begin to postulate. Ones I won't get into because but, it would it would hurt your podcast. But <laughs> but you know, like I can't I can't postulate that. But uh mm-hmm. there's there's some sort of is that five dollar word again. Uh, it's almost like solace. We haven't said solace before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's some sort of like I think uh, Can you solace me another glass of sol- <laughs> the fucking right definition of the word. There's there's some sort of um reassurance though. And having faith, yeah, and there's just sort of sort there's a sense of camaraderie. Ooh, you'll love well. this. You'll love this. I don't mean to step on your parade as I've been doing this whole time. So I don't I... think I have guests. <laughs> if I had, if I didn't want to have guests, I would just be rambling and saying um a million times, which you can <laughs> definitely hear in previous podcasts. I um, oh shit, ah, the alcohol-addled mind. God damn it. Um. Oh, I remember. If tomorrow I was struck in the head or somehow gained the perspective that was irrefutable, like I could write it down and convince anybody of the fact, and so it would be like, I know I'm not crazy. It was replicatable, everything. If I knew for a damn fact God didn't exist, like tomorrow I woke up and I was like, oh yeah, no, I get it. He's not real. You know what I'm going to do on Sunday morning? Go to church. I'm going to church. And you know what I'm going to tell people? Not a damn thing. 
They don't need to know that shit. You wanna know why? It's gonna fuck everything up. Because the last thing they need is one less reason to let go of the social compass. Yeah. Oh shit, this is not about science anymore, dude. So so this is my thing. This is my thing though. Like, um like how deeply are you are you Christian? Like, do you believe that the Bible is verbatim how No 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 no. I am a recovering Protestant going Eastern Orthodox. I think there's a lot of um mysticism and analogy in the Bible. Uh, uh I, I would agree with that. Protestants are that. big retarded and uh at me, motherfuckers. I swear to God. <laughs> like, come at me, bro. I'm gonna fuck your worldview up. You idiots have ruined Christendom. Martin Luther, you little asshole, fuck you and nailing your shit to the door. You ruined everything. What Martin Luther are you talking about? Uh, the original. Uh, I don't know his middle. No, I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the German. The German. Okay. The friar. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah, bold. You, if God didn't love you, there'd be a special place in hell for you and your shit. So, so yeah. But like, he forgives you anyway. So, so like, I, I do have that kind of um, consensus, though, mm-hmm. is, is the Bible is a metaphorical... There's a lot of metaphor. There are some... There and are some actual things that truly uh, transpired. Especially in Genesis. Okay, so for example, mm. correlating science, mm. knowledge, mm-hmm. right, and what's perceived as general fact, and the Bible. So we say the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yes. And I, I honestly can't tell you the rest. But the time period is seven days. Well, again, there's a lot of people that would tell you that, like, that's kind of... Hold a, on. That's, that's an illusion. Hold on. If we look at the age of the sun and the earth, mm-hmm. they're both about four billion years old. Oh, you're saying there's maybe a case that they're literally the same age, but by a couple days? Yeah. Well, not by a couple days. We're... Again, metaphorically, so maybe oh, okay, okay. maybe these could account for millions of years. That's right? pretty neat. And the I... scale of a billion years. Yeah, so the sun is considered to be four billion years old. And, and the so earth? is the earth, about four billion years old. Oh. And the rest of the solar system. Oh, I didn't system, know that. I, I thought... Which ties okay. into okay. realistic thinking because, you know, the sun developed and then it had this gravitational Because pull full disclosure, pull full disclosure, I'm willing to accept um, that... Uh, the word days is being a very loose yes. and this is this is my thing is when these books were written and let's say that these people did in fact speak to God and write or down this shit or they saw a vision correct how right. else are they going to perceive no, 10 billion exactly, years exactly that's it's what like, I'm saying yeah yeah and who is God yeah. knowing us intimately right in this Christian definitive but biblical sense yeah that he wouldn't that we would not be able to perceive those time frames in these sense. It's unfathomable. In, right. Yeah. So in the early days where science was not a fucking thing. Yeah. This was his way of conveying to the people mm-hmm. that this is how he yeah, did Yeah, I'm totally on board with I'm that. I'm on board with in that In fact, too. I have almost no qualms one way or the other. I don't have any horse in that fight. Uh, for me... That's how the chaplain is. The, the, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very open sort of ideology. Yeah. No, he's a very good person to talk to. I like that guy a lot. Yeah. Um, we will not say his name for obvious reasons, for privacy matters. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, he, er, uh, back on topic, the, right. the, um, the only thing I truly have, mm, I'm losing the I, thought I like, speaking. I like the Bible as a framework for morality. It's a good compass. It I tells love, you where we were, I it tells you where that. we're going, and it tells you your left and right parameters. I love that. Yeah. I will never take the Bible literally. 
it is a framework and there's a couple things that are over position there. right i can agree but yeah, last okay, part okay. Is a creation yeah. right i will i love taking the bible as a morality compass at a minimum at a minimum yeah okay but if you told everyone overnight and you could convince them without right. a shadow of a doubt there's no god what the fuck are we gonna right. do and because it comes to like it comes to like one you destroy a whole community Dude, we tried that before. It was called the Soviet Union. Not to mention. It was so bad that Stalin was like, this shit is hella gay. We're not doing this anymore. Not to mention. All religions. Just disappear. Because we're not saying. Not just Christianity. All of it. All of it dies. Maybe Buddhism survives because it's partially partially a, a philosophy. But its spiritual element disappears overnight. Yeah. So, to come back to you with that philosophy thing. Um, I find, I find issue with philosophy and plugging into the real world, you know, in the academic sense. What do you mean? So, so in the early days, right? Ancient times, philosophy was the early science, right? Mm -hmm. Philosophy's job was to figure out reality. That is what philosophy was for. It still is. Antiquity. It doesn't work. It does. It doesn't work. So are we tying philosophy with theoretical physics? Then sure. Metaphysics. Sure. Metaphysics. I fucking hate metaphysics. I love that shit. So describe a metaphysical uh, phenomenon. Simulation. For for the... Right. That's my thing. That that all ties in just base philosophy. When we look at empirical data... And don't get me wrong. If it is proven that the world is a simulation, I will change my viewpoint. No, 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 not the electronic simulation, but... No, no, no. Yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. I think that's like... So like... um, yeah, that's a little bit more easier. It's a social kind of thing. We're talking about society. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But I'm talking about like why is why is the sky blue? That kind of thing. You know what I mean? That that's that was the place of philosophy. It's, it's more asking things. why do we call it that? It's it's right. beyond right. That. So like that it's was adapted to the fact that science will give us objective answers so, to things. So that's what I'm saying. Like that's the sort of academic sense of philosophy was where we were asking, you know, why is the sky blue? Okay, and you know why is the grass green? Why do plants grow? Why are we here? Because why? Did, how did the sun form? Though that's where philosophy was at the time, sure. and now we have science, hard science, where we can collect data and interpret. Because I mean, you know, you don't think that's getting a little too material. Ancient ancient Greeks. Do you think we're better off? Do you think we're better off as a species because now we're so super materialistic? I'm asking that as so, a biased individual. So, I disagree so, with the premise. So, so how do you mean, like, materialistic? Um, uh, in I'm what only, sense? I'm only as good or as great or as interesting as the things I consume or put up my ass. Absolutely not. Absolutely like, not better it, off. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's almost... Uh, I honestly think I think it's a degradation. It's a degradation of society. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're in agreement. We're in agreement okay, with that. Okay, okay. Uh, but we're not... The material science has improved so much. Yeah, we're not in agreement We with, can do so much like, cool shit with we're not, the things we're not, that we have. We're, we're not in agreement with, like, the place of philosophy. So, okay. like, a kind of sense as, like, reality as in, like... Because philosophy was a way of interpreting reality and why it was the way it was. Honestly, I would now philosophy. Now philosophy, if you go to a college course, is more or less, like, you know, posing the deeply held philosophical questions, like, why are we here? That is something that science can't show. You know, we have science for that. We have instruments that tell us why the sun shines, why this and that, you know, why the sun, you know, what we previously thought revolved around the earth. Oh, no, wait, science came along and said that. Science has an answer for that. <laughs> so, you know, that's you're not going to like it. though. So we have we have the it's 42. What I call right. Philosophical 
philosophical, academic philosophy. And then we have philosophy, where we are just posing the question like, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? Those kind of things that remain the true, what I, what I consider the true essence of philosophy, as in the questions that science, in our modern sense, cannot answer. Or has not yet been able to answer. Definitely and, not going you, to be able to. And you mentioned forty-two, which I love. <clears throat> and I always we've talked about it so many times. We joke about it. What forty-two is in reference to? Um, and that was a lovely science fiction book written by, you know, uh, whoever. Hazen, go ahead and pull it up. Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams, <laughs> and it was a supercomputer that uh, you can pose any question to, any question to, and it will give you the answer. And somebody posed the question, what is the meaning of life? And they gave the answer of 42. I feel like a lot of people like reference that and they don't know where it's from, which I mean, I couldn't care less, but like at the same time, it's cool to know where that came from. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the meaning of life oh, is 42. Well, and it's funny because the, the story doesn't end there. The narrative continues and everyone's like super pissed. They're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And the computer's like, well, you retards don't know what the question is. And they're like, what? And it's like, don't worry. I love how uh, he tied philosophy uh, into science yeah. fiction. And he's like, and the computer tells them like, don't worry about it, retards. I've already designed a computer that'll tell you what the question is since you don't know what yeah. it is. Uh, which happens to be the earth. That's the, that's the, um, beginning of the, the the mechanical plot that makes the earth's destruction even funnier <laughs> amazing uh don't we won't put any spoilers no but i will spoil the opening line of the book yes please. so douglas adams wrote the first line of his first book <laughs> in the beginning the universe was created this has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> and it only gets better from there. Yeah. If you like that dry humor and wit from a, a, a very cynical British man living in the 1970s, uh, it's the whole series is actually phenomenal. The second book, I think, is my favorite. Uh, the I'm restaurant at the end of the universe. Not going to I only know the context of that, um, that reference. Mm-hmm. But I have not read this book. So uh, the second book is the restaurant at the end of the universe. So real quick, what do you think that means? The restaurant at the, at the end of the universe. End of the universe. Is that like a time, or is it a place? It's both. It's a. Both. It's, it's a physical end to the universe, and it's is the end it of it. like the great, you know, the 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 great fizzle out or the great cold? Yeah. So a bunch of religious fanatics frequent the bar because they're waiting for God to come back. <laughs> um, and uh, beyond that, uh, you meet a, a, a galaxy famous pop star in the bar who uh, for prefect knows personally, but his bodyguard, he won't like actually talk to anybody. He's doing zero things at all. Not even drinking. And the bodyguard tells Ford that, no, 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 he's spending the year dead for tax purposes. Amazing. It's what a delightful Amazing. book. Humor, the, humor, the, good science. Can I fiction. can I spoil God's final message to mankind? Uh, if you don't want spoilers, go ahead and fast forward. Fuck you, snowflakes. Here it goes. Ten seconds. So so it. I think it's. Um, I think it's thanks so long. Uh, so long and thanks for all the fish, which is like the seventh book. Uh, um, and. What happens is, for reasons un, un, 
not described in the narrative because it makes it funnier that way. Rather than flying to the message itself proper, Marvin and Arthur decide or can't fix the fault that they've landed 20 miles away from the message. It's a giant fucking... um, God decided to write the final message to the universe in, um, in, 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 into the mountain range of a desolate desert planet in the backwater of the spiral arm of the galaxy opposite the Earth. And, uh, well, because the ship just wouldn't take them there, they have to take a bus. And the bus breaks down, and they have to walk and waddle all the way through the desert into uh, the... The scenic overlook to see the message. Now, Marvin is a robot, an android, a a depressed android. And, well, these are his last living moments as a machine with this, you know, uh, this this, uh, baboon of a human, the, the, the dumbest creature that's ever lived so far as he's concerned. And his eyesight is now failing him. Fortunately for Marvin and Arthur, who... I don't remember why he needed the binoculars. There are the the quarter nickel slot uh, uh, binoculars you would expect at a scenic overlook. I don't and, know what you're telling me about this. And and um, well, they only get thirty seconds per quarter. And well, Marvin has to look at each letter letter by letter. So Douglas Adams writes out the message, the final message from God to the all of creation, uh, letter by letter. And I was in the seventh grade when I read this, and I had to. I had to read it, and I had to write it down on a notepad to make sure I didn't fuck it up, and, you know, that's that's just the kind of guy I am. And anyway, uh, God's final message to all of creation is sorry for the inconvenience. Th- that's the sort of cynicism that Adams yeah. held. The, 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 the race of Vulgans is extremely cynical about, you know, just everything British culture was at the time hyper bureaucratic and just un unwavering and and i mean you know he's a total he's a total liberal in a lot of ways but the man is still quite funny um which you know is increasingly rare these days that people just ain't aren't funny and most people that are highly politicized don't have the sense of humor yeah that was around people are too too sensitive and making a joke is a risky endeavor these days because to make a joke is to poke fun at something and someone has a sacred cow that yeah. is the thing you're, you're you're making fun of yeah. um but but yeah douglas adams foray into science fiction doesn't end with his hitchhiker trilogy which is seven books long very funny but uh have you ever heard of his other series with the character dirk gently dirk gently dirk gently Dirk Gently is a detective, a private eye, uh, a total idiot by all accounts, um, who's always at the right place at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The The two books I'm uh, referencing are The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul and Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Uh, really good reads. Um, not quite as funny as Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide was just... I mean, if, if people get a second wind and get faster during a run, the beginning to the end of Hitchhiker's Guide is Adam's third wind, and it just never stops. Uh, 
Long Dark Key Time of the Soul and Dirk Gently's Holistic Eight, uh, Detective Agency, both of those novels, um, sequels, or one and then the sequel, are um, a slow fizzle, but still quite funny. Uh, it, it is something. Uh, you know, it, I'm not sure how we got onto, onto Adams, per se. Because uh, you referenced uh, the meaning of life as... Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think uh, we're going to take a short break here, and then we'll be back uh, and continue this lovely podcast. So great to have you on, Ethan. Uh, thank you. No, it's, it's, it's been, been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I think this is the most uh, uh, fun I've had on the podcast <laughs> so far. Realistically, I mean, we've had, uh, we've had uh, four episodes, I think. They're on Spotify now. We are on Spotify. Uh, sometimes you can catch us live on Twitch, by the way, at www.twitch.tv slash theimmortal312. That's T-H-E-I-M-M-O-R-T-A-L 312. Uh, that is where I do gaming, as well I sometimes record the podcast live with a very large collection of guests. Um... Yeah, so don't be a uh, don't be afraid to hop in and uh, join us. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and get to this commercial break, and we'll be right back with you. And we're back, folks. Welcome back to the Quantum Consumer Podcast. After that short little commercial break, um, we are going to uh, do this last final segment uh, before we wrap things up here. Uh, we're going to be, or Nathan here, is going to be posing some. Sciencey questions about uh, science, believe it or not, <laughs> as sciencey questions are normally based, and we shall be wrapping up here. Science or science? <laughs> um, so, so as as um, industry communicators uh, that we are, um, when I was at the schoolhouse that we. Well, you were at a different one, but um, they're very similar. Um, I imagine there were similar characters to the ones that I met, but um, and I can't remember his name, nor will I repeat it if I did. Um, the I met a senior fellow who knew his stuff, mm-hmm. and there were no shortage of well-seasoned individuals in my class as instructors. Um, due to the weird nature of the time I was there and um, the circumstances in which these things transpired. Um, Nothing worth repeating to an audience that doesn't personally know me. But suffice to say, more or less 30 individuals with combined 800 years of experience, like I shit (laughs) you not, basically were running through the room Always give me a different perspective. These are the sages of telecommunication. (laughs) They are the grand wizards. They Uh, fucking made me this autistic. I swear to God. Grand wizards. It's not my fault. They are akin to the total warhammer. The government did this to me. I swear to God. But so uh, one of them, I I ended up, I don't remember how this started. And this is where the question will come from. But I asked him, and I can't for the life of me remember why I asked him this. But I asked, why do we even do satellite communications this hard when we're this fucking close? Or, oh, I remember now. Whoa, I'm fucking drunk. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm going to have a tally for how many times he says I'm drunk as well. 
Um, I remember now. I asked him, is my career field <coughs> nearly about to be um, gutted or expired in the next 50 to 60 years because of quantum entanglement and technologies connected to that effect? And he asked me, what did I mean? And I said, well, conceivably, isn't it possible that you could have, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't it conceivable that you could have entangled devices communicating between each other instead of two, com uh, two communication devices with a, a, a link of some sort, physical, uh, electromagnetic, or otherwise? Um, use case example. Instead of a SEAL team connected by satellite communications or um, super high uh, radio frequencies connected to the Pentagon um, and vice versa communicating between the two, which can be monitored, which can be tapped if you're sophisticated enough, or jammed if you are poor as fuck, why not have instead a telephone, two telephones, quantumly linked that are only able to talk to one another and can be destroyed by the other remotely through entanglement that are impossible to crack because of their entanglement and how that is, again, I'm not a super smart person, but um, I'm, if we can make phones tethered that way, I'm sure the, the technology to keep these things um, protected right. and secure would be just out of the fucking roof. Yeah. Um, why not? Why not have two telephones? One for a SEAL team, one for the Pentagon. Why not have a a um, a radio that's like that? What what stops us from? Or is anything stopping us from that? Yeah. Um. Brilliant question. Right. And uh, it's uh it's sort of the First off, like quantum mechanics are counterintuitive by their nature. Uh, they are completely, you know, uh, to steal a quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson, the universe is at no obligation to make sense, right? Um, and quantum mechanics really encompasses that. It's completely counterintuitive to what we have previously thought about how atoms and particles work. Um and quantum entanglement, which is a specific uh, sort of sect, if you will, um, of quantum mechanics, is one of the more intriguing phenomenons that Einstein, uh, during his time, even you know, was was knew about. I, I I can't say I remembered if he is the one who sort of postulates. Uh, probably doubted. Maybe I th I'm I'm drunk as well. <laughs> so. But here we are, and we're postulating because you know, I mean, China had said, as you as you know, mm. had passed data, or you know, whatever size that might be. Of course, take whatever China says with a grain of salt. But they had apparently transmitted data from a ground station. I mean, this is also a funny word. I'm still saying transmit when there's no actual transmission mm -hmm. going on that we know of. Um, so but they have, have they know. have passed data. Even then, they have. Done communications with quantum entanglement, uh, 
uh, from a satellite to a ground station instantaneously. Its arrival has happened, and that is that is the nature of quantum entanglement. It is, as Einstein said, spooky action at a distance. Um, whereas you influence one particle at one location, and the other particle is also influenced, no matter the distance between, instantaneously. Okay, so it takes out any travel time that our traditional telecommunications would, where we have to have we have to allow time to pass in order for this part of our radio wave to get to X location, okay? So it's likely, it seems very likely that this may be the future. And the, I look at science fiction in that kind of scope. You don't think it's impossible? I don't think it's impossible Do you at want all. to know what that senior fellow said uh, to me? He told me that, that the, the question I asked could have a corresponding... Uh, conversation that was not appropriate for the room that we were in. That's exactly how he said that. Intriguing. And the, it, we it's, were not on a skiff. It's, it's, oh. Yeah, we were in a classroom. I see. Yeah. Okay. So. Those are details we won't dive into on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we are, we're on the cusp. I'm glad you give the time frame of 50 to 60 years. Yeah. Because this technology is vastly complex. It's so immature. It's very immature. I mean, quantum computing, which is also a a sort of, as we discussed before, right. I think earlier this week, um, where it's sort of an amalgamation of all of the different principles of quantum mechanics. Can I interject and be a little honest? Yeah. Brutally so. <clears throat> Go ahead. Every time I see someone on YouTube, and I'm not like dissing their, their um, credibility or... Yeah. Um, they're you're a you're a you're a skeptic. It's it's completely fine. Well, actually, I'm ske- I'm being skeptical of skeptics. <laughs> in, Ooh, in this in this intriguing oh, spicy shit. Yes, hot takes. Um, almost every single person on YouTube that I have seen, because I've searched for the subject, yeah, that has talked about quantum paired entanglement for the ter- uh, purposes of communications. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, they. All without a a a a pause or or without um, fail. All of them that I felt the need to say anything about Camo's stuff with in in reference to entanglement have all said it's not possible because if you observe one, you can't observe the other until you observe it. Yeah, and um, that's true. I'm just gonna say. And I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but this is how I am when I'm drunk. That's fake and gay because the, the, the Chai Coms, the Chinese, literally made it happen between the mountain range that um, 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 Mount, what's the tallest mountain in the world? What the fuck is Mount Everest? Mountain? I'm so fucked up. Mount <laughs> Everest, the mountain range that's a part of, that's where the observatory was. Appalachians? No. That's in America, dude. Jesus. I'm drunk and I know that. Yes. The Himalayas. Himalayas. Yeah. Here we are. I knew the Himalayas. I didn't know our, our, our combined brain power. Wow, dude. Answer. I'm losing so, brain cells. So, no, no. Um, yeah, they're wrong. So the distance is... I don't believe Good, because... That is... Because, like, listen. So here's what why. What Chaikoms did was they put an observatory on, on the mountain range, right? One of the tallest ones in the world. And they had quantum pairs entangled on the ground station way long before this ever happened. Yeah. And they put some of those particles in a satellite, okay. right? In a low Earth orbit. So let's just be clear. Yeah, yeah. That's as close as they could have had to these objects. But remember, low Earth objects are moving faster in orbit than the ones in a parking orbit. 
because of their altitude, yes. they have to go faster to not hit the earth. They have to count. Yes, they yes, have yes. to constantly fall quicker. Exactly. So, basic orbital mechanics here. <laughs> um, yeah, simple shit retards. But uh, <laughs> 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 but um, the thing is, if the Chicoms aren't lying about it, and I have no reason to doubt them, like I doubt my own government. Um, you know, sure they lie about shit. I mean, they they, they fudge about, their numbers. They've lied about COVID so far, so yeah, they they fudge their numbers at max, right? I'm willing to look. If it was a real achievement, they would be boasting about it, and they sure were boasting about it. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the I'm doubt. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt as well. So let assuming that they put something on the tallest mountain range on Earth into the possession of a low Earth object, yeah. Which, by the way, the hard part would be that it's moving so fucking fast. Which the the navies intercept rate between their their Burke class destroyers intercepting low Earth objects is like fifty fifty right now, and that's not even like a hyperbole, a hyperbolic statement. That's legit the number right now. The Air Force does worse, and the Army can't compare. The Navy has it best. And the Navy has to be in the right place at the right time. And the with, right their, with their intercontinental ballistic missile interceptions. No, or just no. raw like it, satellite. It's a satellite killing missile. Okay. Um, the missile is an interceptor designed to go into a place that missiles don't normally go. Um, it, it's, it's an air it's an anti it's an air anti-satellite. Sorry, it's a surface to air missile. So it's instead of hitting an airplane, it goes farther up and right. then a kill vehicle is released and it kinetically destroys the target. By a by a scatter shot like a buck like a oh no shot. oh no the the kill vehicle is a vehicle it's about the size of an engine block it physically must hit the target amazing I wonder why their percentages are fifty fifty well because using any other means wouldn't be as effective I I adamantly disagree so uh, explosives will have no effect no, absolutely um, completely agree uh, if you could perceivably have a birdshot type weapon. Yeah. I mean, that's what our current anti-air uh, yes. interception missile, like yes. Iron Dome, but, prime but, example. But but you have to remember, satellites are moving quicker, and yeah. there's more space between uh, detonation and target than you would with an aircraft or a mortar. Air defense... No, that's why... That's why that's why birdshot would be so great if you have no, that scattered. No, it's the opposite because the distances involved are so much vaster. Well, I mean, we're talking about we're talk we're trying to modify this current weapon that they have. Yeah. Whereas I'm saying that a weapon that is designed in a similar fashion, their main objective is to yeah. destroy satellites. Yeah. Is you have that a proximity fuse and it hits pro- proximity fuse birdshot that sort of thing. Birdshot comes out. You have a much higher probability. Of getting a successful it hit. Sounds like it would, but counterintuitively, what we're doing here is rather than shooting buckshot at a paper target at like fifteen yards, what we're doing is we're shooting at it at like three yards. You know what? Now that you say that, um, I, I will say that there is inherent risk with using the method that I just said. Yeah, Kepler other, syndrome could with, be with yeah. lower with other too. low Earth objects. I'm sure um, that's part of the calculus because that is the major issue. Because you know the shots that or the projectiles, i.e., the bird shot, yeah. that doesn't hit the target mm-hmm. is 
I mean, I don't think that they're getting to, uh, with that kind of weaponry, to actual sustainable low Earth orbit. Mm-hmm. So they will inevitably fall back, but there should be, there's a percentage of risk that they will hit another low Earth orbit. Um, a more serious risk, actually, than even that, is that you don't actually kill the target, you just maim it. Right? The last thing you want to do is throw an intercontinental missile off course if it has nukes. It's still going to go off. You're not going to do much if you only wound the vehicle. You need to destroy the vehicle completely. If you don't do that, it's still going to be... the engine block size projectile. Yeah, okay. it, it must smash okay. the target. Well, I think a... I and that's part of the reason why it's so difficult. I think... Okay. I, I recede. I recede my um, argument of... But, but as far as um, the... The, the, you know, intercepting lower objects. If we made, we could make missiles that could hit parking orbit targets. Absolutely. It would just take time. It would take a couple loops around the Earth yep. to get enough energy to get out there. Yes. But they're literally, as far as we're concerned, stationary targets. It just takes energy to get there. Uh, we'll know about it several, several days in advance. <laughs> Real stupid shit. However, comma, it will not exist very soon. Lower orbit targets, those have a, ironically, they're closer, which gives them a higher risk of successful evasion or successful um, uh, survival to the air-to-air, uh, surface-to-air weapons. Surely the velocity is yeah. the, horizontal velocity is really the mainstay of issues. So with that in mind, moving quantum pairs and having them communicate with each other from the highest mountain point to the lowest object in orbit is extremely impressive because they did it at like a 30% uh, success rate. Right. Okay, good. So, so that's what I'm saying is the probability of being successful in that endeavor. It's still low because, but so, it's, but it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like um, the bitrate error where it's like, we just do yeah, it so many fucking times. Exactly. You eventually get a so, correct answer. So yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Quantum systems. Um, fragile. Uh, as fragile. A, fragile. Yeah. As we are, we've discussed in the past there, but for the viewers or the listeners, I do this as well. Because um, we originally actually should have this bo- podcast as a visual co- um, accompaniment as well for YouTube and whatnot. Um, well, that's here we are. Um, but yeah, um, no, definitely. The uh, the issue being, um, of course, I don't know how uh, stable those quantum entangled paired um, systems are. Uh, not to my knowledge at the yeah. current moment. Um, let's assume the, the the technology gets a little more. But yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like at let's the say, current state of technology, 50 percent. Right. So like um, it's it's 100 percent possible. And uh, and like they're the okay. YouTubers who are completely Who-hoo-ing adamant it. about saying they're hey, wrong. Right? No, it's not. I would say they're wrong. Okay. Uh, for the simple fact of we are telecommunication people, so we know that there is a receive and a send. Yeah. We would have the same system for a quantum entangled system, as in we have. A quantum entangled pair that is used for sending, and a quantum, you know, so you have one station here, this one is sending, this one's only receiving, this one is receiving, this one's only sending, you know. So you would have these two, you'd have two pairs. Um, How else would you be able to tell if you had received the thing that was, and if we're doing air quotes here, sent from the ground station? Bit rate. If, if you couldn't tell, how would you be able to? Exactly. So, the, the so, so this is the thing. Like retard. So, so this is the thing. Like I'm exactly what I'm saying is is we would take our current, you know, uh, communication strategies. You were talking about bitrate. For those of you who don't know, uh, bitrate is a set criteria 
for communications, right? So your modem has a expected bitrate. What this means is it is going to take all these ones and zeros, okay? And, you know, for example, we have, um, let's take a bitrate of five bits per second, okay? So we're talking about five ones or zeros per second. Now, the five ones and zeros per second is very critical when it comes to communication. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> very critical because both computers or systems need to be in agreement on the rate at which they should expect packets of data. Okay, so X computer expects five bits per second, so that way when it receives these things... That's going to be a problem when we start communicating between like solar system shit. Yeah, it knows when to expect these ones and zeros. Um, so if you try and pair a 5-bit per second system, of course, I mean, I'm really scaling down these numbers right now for mm -hmm. simplicity's sakes. Mm -hmm. But you have a 5-bit per second system, and you try and couple it with a 10-bit per second system, you're going to have packet errors, and it's not going to work. Because the 10-bit 10, 10 per second system is expecting and calculating and checking X amount of times per second, and it's going to have so many errors. There's going to be gaps, and you're not going to successfully transfer packets. So with this quantum entangled system, you would have a receive side, and that side will check. Of course, I mean, we're looking... I don't I don't want to say, because I don't. Where I'm not checking math or anything like that, there might be some delay, or some, you know... It might be slower if you were to compare these two systems side by side, but the advantage is over long distances. For example, a Mars rover, which gets a command 20 minutes after the fact the command was sent. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Um, so if you... Zero, if, could you imagine zero, zero latency uh, zero for a latency. video game? Yeah, I mean, so... That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about local communication, as, as awesome as that. Because we're even, talking solar. Communication. Even with like geosync satellites, the the latency from the signal leaving the antenna having an on the ground clock would no longer be necessary. Yeah, having a Jesus Christ, having a you know a, a stratum oh, one. I mean, no, you would having still a stratum have, one clock wouldn't be necessary. No, you would you would still have to have a clock for the bit rate. No, the, clocks are gay. Fuck it. <laughs> so How's that even real? Stupid. So you would have. <laughs> You know, from the time that it takes a signal to leave the surface of the Earth to get to a geosynchronous satellite, which is what? 26,000 miles above? Coxeus from <laughs> Pour those fucking things out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make noise on purpose for the meme, but it's... Open, open, the, con open the container. Like, rip it open. <sighs> so much more. Oh, uh, just tip it out. Look at this, ready? Oh, my table. Oh no, I don't care. Anyway, so we have, you know, oh you have the center receive side for this quantum entangled, you know, system. And you'll have an agreed upon rate at which the receive side will check to see whether or not the, the, the rotation of the particle has changed, right? So I'm gonna check, for simplicity's sake, I'm gonna check five times per second whether or not this particle has changed rotation and the previous states will be stored in a memory cache, right? So, oh, it's going clockwise. 
this this part of this five you know second or we'll 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 take it down to one time per second. So I check this one second, it's going clockwise. I check this next second, it's going clockwise. I check this next time, it's going counterclockwise. And you translate that to ones and zeros. Mm -hmm. Okay? That is how you accomplish that. And then you would have a send side of this of this satellite that will do the same exact thing, and the receive the receive side will do the same exact thing. Now the two clocks would also have to be quantumly entangled, right? Because time is you're, you're absolutely right. Okay, all right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. At least I understood so, that. So yeah. so relativity uh, would come into play. That would be a okay. factor. Okay. Um, but it could be easily solved with the same technology. Sure. More or less. Sure. Yeah. Now, quick question. And this is me out of ignorance here. This is truly something I have no answer for. Is it possible to, and I say easily with air quotes, is it possible to easily decide which polarization we want? Left being zero, right being one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. like we would we would just it would be we were not we're not necessarily looking for a we're looking for change. That's it. We're looking for change. Okay. Uh okay. so we're just looking for a change in the state. So for example, I would send I'm trying to send a bit, right? So I would I would press a button on my computer. And that quantum entanglement system would shoot a laser at this particle that we're using for this quantum entanglement pair. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the state of that send particle is. Okay. I don't care. Could because what will happen is there would be a change at the dissident. Okay. That is what I care about. I care about the change at the end. Are you saying it's more efficient than on off? Because that sounds a little like. Uh, because it sounds like you're trying to make it more efficient than it needs if to be. If we are, but again, I'm this, not. I'm not very good at computer as would, a, as a as barest minimum like broken components. I truly still have problems no, this understanding. Is, this is reminding me of what I would believe to be an issue is superposition. I mean, no, it doesn't. No, nah, fuck it. Don't worry about it. I don't think so. It's just a bit error. No, because it's a bit error. It's a bit error. True, so there would probably be some quantum sort of yeah. error correction. Yeah, like when there's no need but, for there to be a bit error between a solid link that we use, right? It's just like, oh, there was some meteoroid that got in the way. Ooh, no. So, like, so this is this is a thing. It's uh, what I was talking about superposition is instead of TDMA, it's QDMA. Oh, my lord. Quantum dimension, multiple <laughs> access. <laughs> So, so what I was referencing with superposition is in quantum physics, a particle can be any state. We often hear Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, it's just a bit. It's it's literally. I'm not even like memeing it anymore. I, I'm I'm confident enough to say that would just be negligible enough to be a bit error. Right, and we're talking like fifty or sixty years in the future. Yeah. Okay. So that's also something. Okay, hold on. If we're talking with the Chinese technology, thirty percent accuracy. We're talking six. Uh, six, seven, eight, nine. Sorry, seventy percent error, bit error. Okay, that's pretty hefty. It's hefty, but that only means we need a shit ton of these fucking particles, right? So essentially, what we're saying here is, if we can detect a communicable difference with thirty percent correct bit rate, I mean. At that point, I think the only advantage would be Distance. the instantaneous communication. Yeah. It's expensive. 
sure. is expensive. But let, but let's be clear. But then again, like we would have to hone the technology so well where we can sustain those quantum and I don't know the sensitivity like we established before of the quantum entanglement system. So, you know, it could be that oh shit, well the quantum entanglement system has failed, so we would go back to a backup of I think that's where most of their problems lied. So, yeah, I think so. I think the quantum entanglement system was had too, failed. Yeah. And just destroyed I itself. think that's part of the big error. I'm uh, sure some of it was superposition as well. I think that part of that part of Yeah, I'm thinking it might have might have been because but again, it like, could be you, if you just super... send it twice as many times over than necessary to to overcompensate for the error rate and for the sensitivity that the technology is currently at, you'll get your message out. And I'm being hyper uh, unefficient, inefficient here. I mean, let's talk about like the picturesque, ideal situation and how amazing it would be if we can get real time, actual video re- data, actual real time, actual real time video data from Mars rovers back to Earth. It's gonna be a hellscape. And literally, oh just, my god! And literally, just VR control. porn instantly streamed oh to you. Lord. Good god! Remote control the Mars rover. Which would literally NASA sends a command that says go forward three feet, right? And then twenty minutes later, it happens on average. And then twenty minutes later, and then twenty minutes later, you get the result. The forty minute picture or the video feed. That's so great. And it's not even a video feed. It's a it's a picture. Essentially, yeah. Out they probably don't. I mean, you have uh, with that recent uh, Perseverance rover where they have that crazy sky crane. Have you heard about that? The deployment method for the Mars rover Perseverance. Uh, no. So they had a module that would come down. Right. So you have the entry into Martian atmosphere. Mm-hmm. This this capsule has engines that would, you know, oh ignite. Yes. And yes. then it would lower the rover and then fly away and destroy itself, right? We apparently they had video cameras on them that recorded this event. So we, apparently there's footage, I have not yet looked for it actually, but there is video footage of the Martian Perseverance rover, NASA Perseverance rover, touching down in that fashion. That's cool. Right? Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Really, really awesome. So like, yeah, we have 20 minute delay, sending the command, and then 20 minute on average, receiving the output. Most of that stuff has to be done automated. Yeah, there's it no is. Other Autonomous way to trust command, yeah. yeah. So they have like automatic fail fail saves if like you know all oh, if we so much better to just be able to control it at the moment. Yeah, that's what that's what the hope is. And like I was just saying with like the science fiction thing, I tie like the science fiction like with if, Star Trek. If I can't shit post in actual real time in the next twenty years. I'm gonna be very upset. And that's all astronomy, then, right? Is we're looking into the past. Like shit if the sun were to disappear, we would not know about it until eight and a half minutes later. Gravity would still be working until eight and a half minutes later. Yeah. Um, nice. Even, you know, at that quote-unquote local stage, local scale, I mean, granted, the sun is, in fact, 93 million miles away. I don't believe that. I've never seen the sun that close. <laughs> I've never... I can't corroborate well, yes, you. Yes, you have seen the sun that close, because it is now. It no, is currently 93 million miles no, away. No, it's off right now. It's nighttime. Oh, okay. It's off right now. So yeah. it's a little, little bit more. Whatever the, the diameter of the Earth the, is. The fiery disk of Apollo is not... Yeah, the fi- 
He has yet to pull the chariot uh, around yeah, the other side. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. So we have. Million, so yeah, I think uh, no, I think quantum entanglement communication. I think is it is possible. Yeah, I think it's in the grasp of the next fifty or sixty years. I think that those YouTubers. I mean, okay. Do you think that's going to make computers talking to each other quicker? Like a super computer hub? Do you think if they could communicate by quantum link? You think that'll make them quicker? I think, um, rather than having to share a fiber optic or a Cat five cable, because so this this is this is the thing. I think the applicable, you know, you know, that's faster than an electron just being there. No, I think no. I think the realistically speaking, I don't think that technology would advance to the point where we would be able to make make those systems. So reliable. You know who said that last time? People that said Deep Blue would never beat any of the world champions. <laughs> I'm I'm saying like I think it would feel I, like to be wrong. No, I think <laughs> I think it would start in space mm-hmm. and yeah. then maybe yeah. trickle down and to mature. Earth. But like, right. do you think once it does, do you think that having instantaneous? No, yeah, of course. Okay, so it will make supercomputers faster. Their mm. shared tasks will be infinitely quicker. Oh shit! Well, if you're talking about that. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, we have supercomputers that rely heavily on I mean, data transmission. If yeah. you're keeping score at home, uh, YouTubers, BTFO. <laughs> what? You know, the, the idiots that were like, quantum computer. Oh. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> go make go make fucking Fortnite highlights. Yeah, there you the, go. The ad always talks um, about. Yeah, I mean, I think quantum entanglement will... Quantum entanglement communication will be definitely feasible in the future. Um, yeah, I don't find I, there any reason to be. I, I mean, that senior yeah. fellow was quite adamant that NASA was working on it for a sun uh, 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 probe. That's what he could tell me. I mean, in that in that setting, he said there was a high probability that's what they're working okay. on. Okay, really cool. I love people who hyperinflate their their security class. I don't think it was what, a security. What thing. would make him privy to being to knowing what NASA's top secret missions are? Being a instructor at your school, <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I trusted his his opinion on the subject. I don't have any evidence. To... Interesting fact: my schooling, I had an instructor who, mm-hmm. who was you know civilian, and <clears throat> he asked what electromagnetic radiation is. Mm-hmm. I said. Like I, I, I said as like the quote unquote phys, physical, metaphysical, whatever. I said photons, mm-hmm. and he said no. I was like, yes. He's like no, <laughs> and so it bothered me because I was so trusting of this person. Mm-hmm. I doubted myself. I was like, holy shit, have I been saying this shit yeah, wrong for this entire the, time? The people we work for certainly have so, that kind of. Control. So I came yeah. back. I came back a couple days later after like. Going through all of my notes. Oh, God. My notebooks. All of my sources. And I came back and says, hey, Mr. I honestly forget his name. I hate that I forget his name. Yeah. Because I love the man. But I I came back and I was like, hey, sir. Um, like, I did research. And it is, like, every part of the electromagnetic spectrum are comprised of photons. And he's like, what? And so he pulled out his phone and Googled it. And he was like, like, you know what? That is the first time a student has ever corrected me. 
And he was very happy about it. Yeah. He was like, that's it. That's Because it meant you gave a shit. I mean, he's like, yeah. gave a shit about what the person said. And in our line of work, that never and, happens. And yeah, so yeah. like, it was, it was really, because you know. It's really cool that he actually really appreciated cool. it. He appreciated yeah. it. And, he, really cool. and we talked about science and like, mm-hmm. why I would know that. And like, because apparently, you know, to him, like most of the students didn't care. They were there for the job. They were there yeah, because they signed up. So, yeah. so it was really interesting. So we had a nice conversation and, and yeah, so. That was the first time that I corrected a teacher. Uh, first time I corrected a teacher, and they appreciated it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was a that was an interesting experience. But it was like um, pretty neat because he he his 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 stance was he thought uh, this could be through his schooling or whatever. That his it was funny because he thought that through his schooling or whatever that only the visible light spectrum okay. was comprised of photons. And then we started going into like the fucking Mandela effect and how it was a another universe colliding and that <laughs> shit. And so that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was yeah it was one of those moments where it was just like I was thrown aback. I was like, "What? It's not photon." And I was right. I was yeah. right. <laughs> you you don't uh, you don't need a degree to know about something. I think that's that like, is some serious bullshit. That is that is my biggest <laughs> pet peeve. It's what I'm talking to people. Wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to tell the audience not to indebt themselves $800,000 into debt, crippling debt, that they'll never pay off in their lifetime just so that they can have a piece of parchment on their wall saying that they know things? Surely that's not what you mean to tell your audience. That's an irresponsible take. It is. Um, <laughs> so I, it's a it's a large pet peeve of mine because all this information that you can go to university for it's available. Not only that, but you can audit most of those classes for like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, so like it's just one or of those free. Things. Or free. It's one of those things where I'm like sitting here like Knowledge is free. Stop being is, ignorant little What pussies. is the And so it's like, well, what is your degree in when I'm talking about science? <laughs> I'm like, oh nothing. And then I will guarantee you if you go and look up everything that I said, you will find that it is correct. Of course science changes. So those theories might change or those, right. you know, fundamental laws might change in the next 40 years. My degree, but as if, anyone stating, did, if anyone cares, is in underwater basket weaving. Uh, that extracurricular, uh, that just turned into a No, it's a major. Degree. Oh, it's a major. Yeah. Major so in underwater basket weaving. It's a very weaving. powerful art and it's um, steeped in very prideful tradition. Um, By mermaids. That's a really really offensive story was that a harsh take i'm so sorry yeah did you have you're canceled now did you have to wear (laughs) scuba gear no that's also another harmful story oh my god you had to hold your breath yes no we developed gills (laughs) (laughs) that was racist (laughs) oh shit here we are we are now canceled um yeah that was a that was a phenomenal question any other questions that you had no, actually, that was really the two big ones. Because it's like ones. it's just it bothered me that people didn't really seem to understand the like. How could you even record information that can't be sent? And I was like, intrinsically, I'm like, how retarded do you have to be to say well, something I mean, like that? So like they they were I don't know if any of the videos gave you the kind of time. They scale. might just be midwits, you know. And so, I say so that not is, as a meme, but it's like I wonder really difficult, like hard. I think hard. Think hardly, Jesus Christ! Who's the midwit now? Uh, I I think deeply about that. It's like sometimes I feel like I trust too many midwits, right. and I don't trust myself enough. Mm-hmm. And 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 I feel like like I'll never make YouTube content because that's just not who I am. Right. 
but I think I watch too much of it and I trust too much of it in the sense of I let other people form um, opinions for me. Not saying that anyone can truly be an individual. Right. I'm not a big believer in that either. I, we all parrot things of, of our, around our environment and of our, our nature. But to that extent, um, you do have quite a bit of control over the, the, the nurturing elements in your life. And I feel like I'm allowing YouTube to create a lot of that, especially from the scientific standpoints mm-hmm. of, of, of scientific endeavors. It really has more influence than I think it should have. Yeah. Because, um, again, I think these people are wrong. And it bothers me that no one else seemingly feels the same. And, and who's to say why that is as far as why they all say the same thing? Maybe they're influencing each other. But... You know, it, it is that was the big one. Is is it possible, and why not? If it is, I mean, you, yeah. that's the those whole, were it. Those were the two. That's the whole thing of like scientific and technological optimism, because you know when the Wright brothers were doing their things, there were people saying, you not know, possible. men will never fly. That's it's true. It's impossible. Yeah. And then sixty years, eighty years later, sixty years later, we were on the moon. Yeah, like, wow. How does it feel to be? How does it feel to be wrong? <laughs> how does it feel to be wrong? You know. So that's the whole thing. Is like. With the current understanding of technology and science that people have, they form biased opinions about things. Right. There's there's some things that can be... The safe opinion is that it won't happen. Right. Fucking midwits. Shut the fuck up. So, you know, it's just the nature of the beast, right? It's yeah. just people steadfast in their beliefs and they don't want to budge. And I mean, I'm the same you, way. No, I mean, you find that in the scientific community, which is America. kind of like a... Uh, a tragic a travesty of what science is is a evolving thing where we take the a new, ideal of what it is. yeah I'll we, do we take in new data and that formulates our change of perspective of how the universe you're works. living in a postmodern world and you're never going to be able to unmarry science from a bent or ideology it's not possible right now yeah. maybe in the next age but not this one maybe we're trapped <laughs> Powerful, powerful, very cool, very cool. <laughs> wow, I've only referenced Red Letter Media twice today. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think uh, that's all the questions you have. No? That was it. That was man. it. Yeah. I think that was a delightful podcast. Um, we've tried some liqueurs. We have many different topics that we were going through. Uh, here we are sitting here at uh, at fucking twelve ten in the morning. Uh, complete this podcast. Uh, we've been going for over three hours. Well, now. it says zero zero one zero zero one zero. Sorry, dude. Does anyone even know what? Dude, time's not real. Fuck, time's that. not real. It's a, dude, it's zero zero one zero up here, and ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you all for listening, uh, and thanks for having me on. This yes, was a of lot course. of fun. Of course, anything. honestly, uh, have me back whenever you want. No, yeah, I'm thinking about. We could probably in the morning. Or maybe noonish, maybe record another one, That'd have another really guest on. Yeah. So we'll have you, and then who's the other mystery guest? I don't know. We'll have to reveal that. <laughs> whoever one. shows up at the door. Yeah, whoever <laughs> shows up, we'll have to reveal that when the podcast next podcast is coming on. Uh, but I have been Brandon, and I have been Hayes. <laughs> and thank you all so much for joining us for Quantum Consumer Podcast. And as always, have a good one. <laughs>